Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens, an actual play podcast. Every episode microplot is a complete adventure with a beginning and an end that fits into the overarching macroplot of the whole season. Because they stand sturdily on their own, you can listen to these adventures in any order and skip any you don't enjoy. Today, we are using the combat mechanics from a game called Brains and Brawn. It's our first time playing, so we might make some mistakes. If you enjoy these mechanics, you can find Brains and Brawn on fighterguystudios.itch.io, a super simple tabletop role-playing system for you and your friends. Speaking of friends, today we are joined by Errol Corvidbow. Yes, uh, I currently... Uh, there is a cleaning closet in the bottom of the Fire Breathing Kittens Guild Hall, and... A, there's a racket coming from inside, and all of a sudden, uh, Errol stumbles out. Uh, he is wearing a visor and a badge that says Tour Guide, um, as well as his clothes are currently singed and smoking a little bit, and he's wiping his brow going, Oh, oh goodness. <laughs> I can't believe what kind of deal I got myself in. But uh, he has a burn scar on the right side of his face, as well as an eye patch, uh, typically I wear a large wide-brimmed hat with a feather poking out, as well as a white puffy shirt, uh, and some nice new shine boots without any holes in them. All right, and next we are joined by Norridge Flesh Ripper. Oh, hey there. Uh, this is Norridge Flesh Ripper. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, I am 7 foot 8, and wouldn't you believe it, the runt of the litter, I weigh a nice 592 pounds, I have a dark gray skin, uh, nice bright orange hair with some glowing red eyes, uh, wearing some monastic robes from the Eight Pass Monastery, and I am uh, ready to party. <laughs> and finally, we're joined by Ignatius Cogbright. Good afternoon, uh, Ignatius Cogbright. I am a uh, two foot six tall uh, gnome dressed absolutely impeccably in a black suit. Today, I am sporting a uh, sapphire vest and matching cravat and top hat of course uh i have a thick luscious mustache and black hair i'm currently sitting at a table with my good uh, mechanical companion archimedes who is a clockwork raven wonderful all right um for this game i am not the gm or the dm i am the tt or tail teller here in brains and bronze and so we're going to tell a tale. So, Ignatius, we're going to start with you. You're sitting at a table with Archimedes. Uh, what are you doing? Are you reading a book? Are you sipping some tea? What's What's the morning look like for you? Uh, I am currently uh, tinkering with my latest invention, which is a, uh, a portable couch that folds up and you can put it in your pocket. And when you let it go, it expands into a full couch. Currently, uh, I can't get anyone heavier than me to sit on it without collapsing, <laughs> so I'm trying to overcome that obstacle. <laughs> and is this in like a private room, or is this just in the guild hall major? No, I'm just in the middle of the guild hall. Okay. You can like, there's parts probably scattered all over the table. Archimedes is probably like moving some of the nuts and bolts <laughs> around as I'm not noticing. Love it. As you're sitting there, uh, you hear a voice come in through the main thing, and it, it's um, it's a small little. Um, kobold man wearing a sash and it's got a pouch and he goes mail's here everybody mail's here and then he 
sifts through a little bit, and eventually he says, Ignatius Scogbright. Ignatius walks over and you know hands him a gold piece and says, Thank you, good sir, for your services, and takes the letter. All right, and he hands you a very, very fancy-looking envelope. It has scroll work, you know, intricate, not carvings, but um, embossing on the on the envelope, and it's got a wax seal on the back. And as you flip it over, and I assume you're going to open it and read it, um, what do you think? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I would, I would read the letter. <laughs> okay. Um, you open it up, and inside is a letter that says, Dearest Mr. Cogbright, I am the impresario and host of this year's Realms Fair. My name is Nadia Bison, and I would like to formally invite you and two of your companions to this year's show. The Cogbright name is still one of ingenuity and excitement, and we would love for you to come and be a guest at this year's showcase. There will be wonders the likes of which you have never seen. You and your compatriots are encouraged to arrive this weekend and prepare to be astonished. Sincerely, sincerely Nadia Bison, proprietor and liaison for the Shimmering Futures Foundation. Have I ever heard of the Shimmering Futures Foundation? Nope. And as your what was the name of the 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 fair again? The Realms Fair. Is is that like the yeah. World's Fair? And have I heard of it? You have heard of the Realms Fair, and it's okay. it's probably something that hasn't happened in a couple of years. But mm -hmm. from a few a while back, you remember the Realms Fair being this thing where. People send representatives from their countries to bring gadgetry and devices and wonderful things. And as you're opening up and reading this envelope, two tickets fall out of it. Or three tickets, sorry, fall out of it. One has your name on it. One has Norwich Flesh Ripper's name on it. And then the other one is blank. And we're going to cut now to where I would like to think Norwich and maybe Errol are nearby each other. For the sake of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, I'm uh, currently, uh, my duck Drake has uh, gotten down on the floor and he's going after, he's attempting to go after the tickets uh, over where Ignatius is. And I'm nice. like, Drake, Drake, you don't eat tickets. That's not food. I think Norwich this whole time has probably just been kind of meditating. Um, I assume this is going on in kind of like the main yeah. guild hall area. So Norwich has just been kind of going through his morning meditations and he kind of, he opens an eye when, uh, when Errol and Drake start, uh, start speaking up and he's like, okay, what's, what's going on today, fellas? <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Ignatius. I, I, my duck, uh, I guess he's hungry. He needs a snack or something. I, he thought your tickets were food. No harm, no foul. Norwich reaches into his pocket, inexplicably pulls out a whole loaf of bread, <laughs> um, and just kind of throws it to the duck. Oh, here you go. A couple of crumbs for you. Yeah, he eats it up real quick. <laughs> uh, pardon me. It, it, I, it looks like you've got a, 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 some tickets there. I was curious, what, what event are you being sent to? It's the realm's fair. I have received an invitation. Uh, what uh, baffles my mind currently is why Norge's name is on one of these invites, and one of them is blank. It said I could invite uh, up to two guests. I guess one of them is spoken for, and uh, I don't understand how they knew Mr. Flesh Ripper would be here. You know, that's a good question. 
I don't think I've ever heard of this in my life before. So it must be, I mean, you seem pretty enthused about it. So if if you enjoy it, then I'll probably have a good time. But um, so so what is this? The Realms Fair. It's a, a showcase of the world's greatest, in, excuse me, the realm's greatest inventors. Uh, of course, my father was uh, instrumental a number of years ago, and the Cogbrat name uh, holds much uh, strength these days. These days, not as not as much as it used to, but uh, perhaps I'm bringing back the family legacy. Well, you know what. I trust you as an inventor, and if uh, if you're anything, if your dad's anything like you, then he's probably a pretty pretty bright guy. So that sounds like a that sounds like a good time. I don't know how much I can invent, but I can certainly uh, I'll, I'll be around. <laughs> well, we certainly need people to carry the heavy things. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite part. You know me too well. And, uh, Errol, I suppose, uh, as long as you can keep your waterfowl friend from consuming the tickets, uh, you would be welcome to come as well. Oh, I, w- I would love to. I always enjoy a good fare. Uh, I, uh, Errol takes his hat and, uh, his, his badge and puts it away in a pack and then pulls out his wide-brimmed hat and, like, straightens his eye patch and dusts his shirt off and he's like, yeah, I, I'm ready to go. I just had to run an errand for a friend. Now, before we go, why are you wearing singed clothing with a name tag that says Tua Guide coming out of our basement? I made a deal with Ava to run some errands for her. I don't want to discuss too much. It's not, I'm not at liberty to say, but don't make any deals with Ava. <laughs> well, it sounds like, it sounds like a hell of a job. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so, and Ignatius, as you're looking at the ticket, it is for, um, for like, in a few days. Like, it's not necessarily happening right now, but, you know, depending on what you guys want to do, you would know enough about the fair. You would know that there's going to be representatives from, you know, Jishope, from, you know, Nicomoy, all the, all the stuff where you're going to have people coming and they're going to be bringing... Um, showcased things uh you were just being invited as a guest to come witness and you know judge and and kind of be a part of that thing but you would know that this is going to be a whole thing there's usually entertainment there's usually um food and all sorts of like you know fireworks shows and things like that so it's it's a cool big event in the sort of magic technology world So I am not being invited as a presenter. I'm being invited as a witness. Yes. Okay. Yeah, like the, you, you're getting the vibe that like this is already set up. You know, the fact that it's this weekend or whatever, like you wouldn't be able to jump in as a presenter, but you would be there and you know that like sometimes the presenters who come are invited to be judges and things like that of the, you know, who's the best of the year type of thing. Gotcha. Um, And Tailteller, you said that the... Uh, the letter said Nadia Bison, proprietor of the Shimmering Futures Foundation. I did indeed. How far away is uh, where the Realms Fair is being held? Uh, it's actually being held in Nicomoy. Oh, okay. Is there a return address on this? Nope. It's just assumed okay. that you will have got it, and if you show up, you show up. Because of Ignatius's uh, bane, which is one of them is vain, um, he is not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, and he's very 
happy that he got invited, and rightly so. He is, you know, a man about town now, <laughs> and uh, perhaps his inventions are getting well known in their own right, not just uh, the shadow of his father. The player, on the other hand, is very suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so is there anything you guys would like to do in the days, you know, prior to this, or you want to just jump to our our weekend event? It- Ignatius would like to find out more about uh, Nadia Bison and the uh, Bright Futures people. We'll say that um, you you guys dig around for a little bit and probably uns- unsuspiciously um, you are. Can I make a brains roll? Yeah, I was just gonna say you are you are like going to city facilities and looking at records and things like that so you can make like a brains roll investigation roll type thing would i get three because one of my boons is silver tongued and i would say i'm prepared yeah i think so you're probably sweet talking the librarian and the civil court office or whatever you know the um yeah and then and explain a little bit if you will what we're doing with this brains roll um, so my number is three, uh, and that means for you pick a number between two and eight. Eight is more physically strong. Two is more mentally strong. Uh, basically, every stat that isn't strength and endurance is in brains, and then strength and endurance are in brawn. Well, I guess agility, yeah. too. Um, but I am using... One of my, we get boons and banes, and boons are things you're good at, and banes are things you're bad at, and uh, one of my boons is I'm silver-tongued, um, and one of my banes is I'm vain, which is why I'm not looking into it too much. <laughs> uh, although I am observant, so I don't know if that would count for anything. Um, it probably will. But yeah. But not now. <laughs> uh and for my three dice, because I get one off the bat, I get one because I have a boon for it, and I get one because I'm prepared. Uh, it's a six, eight, and four, so it's three successes. Wonderful, yeah, because you roll over for brains, right, and under for brawn. Okay, mm-hmm. um, wonderful. So you're able to find, um, you know, a a decently like healthy amount of information about the Shimmering Futures Foundation. Uh, a nonprofit there to help, you know, schools get technology there to provide, you know, support for low income villages, things like that. But with three successes, you also kind of notice the sort of shallowness of it all. Uh, the like, clearly it's a corporate or a, a foundation that's been in operation for a while but like the more you dig, the less you understand or know like why or who or anything. It's very shallow feeling. My suspicion, since Norge was also mentioned, I th- my sneaking suspicion is that Edmus Tomlinson is trying to screw with us somehow. Because if you remember Norge, you were with us when I peed in a vial and sent it to him. Oh, I do remember that. That was kind of funny. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask, uh, Ignatius, have you heard any, have you heard anything, you know, any kind of fallout or, or anything from, uh, from that? No, that rapscallion has remained with his tail tucked between his legs, hiding out in his lair. Well, we certainly like to see that. So good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, is there anything that you two would like to be doing in the days coming up? I think Norwich is probably 
doesn't have a whole lot of brains to him. He's definitely the muscle of the group here. Um, for reference, uh, my number is a seven. So I think Norwich is probably just kind of um, doing his normal like monk meditation, martial arts training. But if Ignatius needs any help, like, you know, going around town or like carrying around books at the library, he's he's there to help. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say uh, the only thing I'd really be interested in is if he needed assistance, but either way. Okay, so as the, you know, this takes you a couple days to kind of glean this information from the thing. Uh, you don't learn much about um, Nadia Bison. She seems to be kind of like a, just a public figure, like a, like a, you know, she probably, her name comes up more on the, um, showmanship side of things as opposed to like the paperwork side of things so she's not unheard of huh exactly she is you know probably not from previous realms fairs but a name that you know may have may have crossed your similar to like just for my reference like a a local like news official like somebody that's on the morning news sort of level of that's how we know her okay yeah, or like a PR person for a company. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay, so as the days come along, you guys get towards the day of the fair, and you can kind of tell, too, that there's it's like a convention in town. People are starting to come into Nicomoy. Uh, you're starting to see food trucks wo- like wheeled in, um, and you're starting to um, get the vibe on the morning of that like people are dressed up, there's... A lot of people going to the event, but maybe not all of them have these tickets. Maybe not all of them have, you know, the level of access that these tickets might provide because it looks like there's a lot of people going to this big convention center. So um, that's the vibe you guys get, and it's starting to come up to the moment of the fair. There's a wagon that pulls up, and it will take you guys to the Realms Fair when you're ready. Great. I think um, before we go, Norge is going to look to Ignatius and be like, so I know, I know last time we were, we were kind of hanging out there. Um, you know, we had that whole kind of put you on the shoulder thing, but I just wanted to see if there's anything that I can do to make, to make you look better here. I mean, you're, you're the kind of inventor genius guy and I'm, I'm just kind of the muscle. So if you want me, if you want to come in like riding on my shoulder or something, um, by all means, go for it. Uh, if you want me to, you know, be kind of menacing looking, standing behind you, I'll do my best. Um, and Norridge just puts on a, a scowl for a second, but then he kind of breaks into laughter. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, not not real good at the whole uh, mean and anger thing, but I'll do my best for you. Well, I would say for now, we are companions. If uh, some sort of scuffle or kerfuffle breaks out, uh, I will uh, do my customary move and get behind the big guy. Sounds good. Um, and... Norwich looks over to Errol and kind of claps him on the back again, a little bit harder than probably means. Um, but he's like, Hey, you're, you're also welcome to get behind the big guy. There's, there's plenty of big guy to go around here. Oh, uh, I'll note that. Thank you. All right. So you guys pop in this cool, um, like steampunky, <clears throat> um, propelled wagon and it starts like chunk and little way it's or its way along the streets and taking you you know a ways across town but you end up coming to this huge building 
glass dome, you know, massive construction, and there's this huge, big arched way door, and there's just droves of people heading in um, through this main entrance. You guys are brought to a, not side entrance, but like a separate entrance that is up on this raised area, and there is a little line of carts, and there's some nice, nicer dressed folks uh, heading in. On that topic, are you guys dressed in any specific way for this event? Ignatius is always dressed to the nines. I think Norridge probably dressed up a little bit. Um, so he's wearing like a probably like a vest over his over his monastic robes. It it the the thought is there, but I don't think the execution is there. <laughs> I feel like Ignatius would want you guys at least gussied up a little bit. So you have, is it all right with you if Ignatius bought you a matching vest with the vest he is wearing and like a hat? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I will, I will also don uh, a similar vest over my usual puffy shirt. And uh, perhaps instead of changing my hat, I might tie like a, a, a ribbon or something the same color as the vest around the hat. Nice. All right. So as you guys are are making your way up. Finally, you get up there. And um, as you are the next wagon in line, there is a woman that uh, that is standing there, hands behind her back. Uh, she has making lots of broad hand gestures, smiles. She's a middle-aged human uh, with long black hair. And she's wearing like a dark purple suit with one of those puffy, um, as a cravat. Is that the... The, like, puffy tie? Is that what I'm thinking of? Ascot. Ascot, thank you. An ascot, yes. Um, And a nice um, wide-brimmed hat as well. And um, she welcomes you guys and she says, Ah, yes, yes, members from the fire-breathing kittens and Mr. Cogbright, come, come, welcome to the Realm's Fair. And uh, she says, My name is Nadia Bison. And this year... This is my event, or at least, well, it's my company's event. Miss Bison, it is such a pleasure to meet you. Your organization does some great work, I am told. These are my associates, uh, Norge Fleshripper and uh, Errol Covidbrat. I think Norge kind of bends down and does like a, you know, kind of <laughs> grasps her hand with both of his hands and does like a... The Pope handshake. A big shake. <laughs> um, and so one of... Yes. <laughs> so one of Norwich's banes is uh, too trustworthy and also oh. intimidating present. Your mic just went muted, Norge. Ah, sorry. Um, okay, great. I don't know what that was. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll just say that again. Oh, there we so go. Norge has two banes that are that are relevant here. Um, the first is intimidating presence. You know, he's he's a big, bulky guy. He kind of gives off, um, you know, not the best vibes. Um, even though he means to, and the, uh, too trustworthy. So he's, uh, you know, he's got Miss Bison's hand in a, uh, double, double handed Pope shake, uh, kind of getting a little bit too close, you know, not really understanding boundaries. And he's just like, oh, well, it's, it's such an honor. Uh, you know, my, my friends and I, we've been, we've been learning all about you and I can't wait to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Ah uh, yes, Mr. Fleshripper, of course, and she 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 doesn't seem um 
too concerned about it, um, about your intimidating presence. Um, she's more like, of course, of course, yes, we are. We know of you as well. You are welcome, and um, we are glad both of you are here. And you, uh, the the third member, uh, what is your name? Uh, yes, Errol uh, Corvid Bright, at your service. Um, I am here as a talent scout. <laughs> uh, I am. I am uh, looking around, seeing these new inventions, and I'm looking for some fresh, hot talent for the fire-breathing kittens. So, uh, thank you for the invitation. Well, thank you for attending. Um, come this way, this way, and she gestures for you guys to follow her into the bustling fairgrounds. I forgot to ask: Is the Eastinghouse Company presenting anything in this realm's fair? And she says, of course they are. Of course they are. They're one of our largest contributors. Ignatius suddenly gets a little sour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As she gestures for you guys to come in, uh, they, um, you're you're kind of brought to a balcony above this huge opening um, convention center style room. And in it, there are little booths everywhere. There are big stages with, um, you know, mechanical wonders and everything. Lots of sparks flying, lots of crazy uh, light shows going on from these distant gadgetry and devices that you guys can see. And she gestures for you guys to head down to the floor and to go explore. And she says, welcome to the realm's fair. We've been so excited to bring this back, this this wonderful tradition of making wonders available to the world. And we have representatives from all over. Please explore around, see what you enjoy. And later, uh, Mr. Cogbright, we may be calling on you to uh, be a judge for one of our events. There are a few of the uh, booths that you'll find. They have little ribbons on them. They are going to be presented at the uh, the finals, basically. And we might need you to be a judge. Certainly. And so then she wanders off, and um, and you guys are left standing there overlooking this this crazy spectacle. I think Norwich is so you know he's been kind of silent hearing about the Eastinghouse Corporation, and he knows Ignatius's side of it. So he um, once again kind of grabs Ignatius, looks at him as like a may I before kind of plopping him down on the shoulder. Um, and, you know, then kind of gets pretty quiet. Um, and he's like, so, so I know that Eastinghouse, uh, they're here. Do you think that Edmondson's going to be here too? Well, if he does, I have a certain bullet directly for his face. <laughs> I mean, I can also... Kind of, kind of go be doing my own thing, right? Um, and just accidentally mess up his inventions or something like that. Uh, you just say the word there, my friend. Uh, Ignatius, the the letter that was the invitation that was initially sent to us uh, from this Nadia Bison. What was the specific wording on why you were invited? Did it just say to witness, or I pull out the letter and I reread it, and it says. Yeah, it it mostly just said that the Cogbright name was one of ingenuity and excitement, and they would love for you to come and be like a special guest at this year's showcase. There wasn't specifically like, oh, you'll be a judge. It's just that Ignatius kind of knew the vibe of the show, and that was the assumption. 
Is there any reason we might be interested in shadowing this Nadia Bison? Or would we just like to see the event first and then decide what we're going to do afterward? Whatever you guys decide, I will say that she's she's still like greeting people. She's just behind you, basically. Moved on to keep basically doing what you, she just did to you guys to new groups of people coming in. So, If this is an Edmondson plot of some sort, I think she would just be another pawn being used by that blackguard. Um... How big is this convention center, like, generally? Um, It's pretty big in terms of the room. I would mm. say it's probably, I don't know, I want to say a 1,000 feet square. Okay. But in terms of, like, available walking space, it's pretty tight, in, and it has, mm. like, a sort of a square layout with, like, crisscross pa- grid pattern for, like, how the vendors and stuff is set up. Sure. Um, so I guess Norwich kind of gets down on one knee where he can. Um, so, you know, he's, he's just trying to be a little quieter in, in how he talks. Um, just, you know, getting a little closer and he says, uh, so if, I mean, if we want, you know, it's, it's kind of a big room, but not a ton of places for people to be. And I'm pretty tall. So if we wanted to kind of split up and do our own thing, you know, uh, Ignatius, you can kind of be the, you know, the point person. You can be talking schmooze and all that good stuff. Um, you know, I can I can go over, see see what I can see about Edmondson. I don't think he knows who I am. Um, and I can just pretend to be some guy. Um, and then Errol, you know, I know you mentioned you wanted to kind of keep an eye on, on Nadia. Uh, you can... Certainly do that as well. Maybe we can meet up in a little bit, see see if we can find anything. Um, but also totally cool to stick together if that's if that's the better idea. Well, well, here's my suggestion, Mister Corvid Bright. Uh, you were the only one of the three of us that was not mentioned by name. So if there is some sort of uh, uh, attempt on my life by Mister Edmondson, uh, which I don't believe it is. After all, I am a uh, Cogbrat, and my name does hold some sway in the inventor <laughs> community. But just in case it does, I believe you should be the one that investigates the Eastinghouse Company. Perhaps you and I, Nord, should stick together in case I am accosted, and uh, we look at the booths that have the uh, uh, the ribbons on them. If that suggestion sits well with everyone. Uh, I actually like this idea. Uh, I imagine the Eastinghouse uh, company probably has their own booth and or tent here. But if you want to look around in a general sense before we go, uh, but I would be definitely willing to go up there and, and talk to them and see what I can, what kind of information I can get. Yeah, that works for me. I'm pretty good at infiltration, so we can figure that out as it goes along reminiscing about the tour guide shirt you were wearing earlier (laughs) 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 um okay so you guys make your way uh down to the convention floor uh for the sake of me not describing an entire convention most of the stuff is knickknacks it's uh crafts that people have made there's lots of little you know flashlight style inventions and interesting little gears and automaton toys and things like that. Um, the other thing that you guys start catching on to is that there are a number of things that aren't just gadgetry. There's also alchemy. There's, there's 
potion making, there's elixirs, and you get the like classic like snake oil salesman guy talking about the little vial liquid that can give you a boost to your step or whatever, right? And um, so there's lots of stuff like that. There's so many people looking around. And then eventually for Ignatius and Norwich, you guys make your way into like the center part of the convention where it's basically like a smaller square where around the square are some bigger um, booths or whatever you want to call them, some exhibits. Mm -hmm. We'll call them exhibits. And um, there are a couple very clearly very advanced um, gadgetry things that you see. When you guys first walk up, uh, you notice two things. You notice a guy wearing this big old gauntlet on his arm. And there is um, somebody standing up on a ledge over the top of like a mattress or like a cushion. And the guy says, all right, are you ready? Three, two, one, jump. And he jumps and then he activates something on the gauntlet and the person freezes in midair as if time has stopped for the singular person. And then he counts down from 10 and then the person reanimates and hits the mattress. And he's, there's this big sign for this thing called the chrono gauntlet. And then there's another one nearby of a guy opening up a door into nothingness, reaching in, pulling out stacks of money and then putting him back in, closing the door, waving his hand, and what looks like a safe door disappears. And this is an etheric safe. And so these are the kinds of things you guys start seeing. Uh, these are the first two you see, and you can tell the pathway leads around to um, six total major things. Um, Tail Teller, I would like to go up to the individuals. You said there's two of them with the chrono gauntlet. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to speak to the one... Uh, uh, with the gauntlet, and uh, I'm going to go up. I pull out uh, a cigarette case uh, filled with licorice, and I, I offer a piece to them, and I'm like, I, I'm sorry to bother you. Uh, my name is Thomas Underhill. Uh, <laughs> I recently, my olive oil business had had some, uh, some uncouth individuals who were trying to steal our olive oil uh, production process. Uh, stealing secrets from from the company, and I was curious if you'd seen anyone from the Eastinghouse company doing anything uh, uh, suspicious. Uh, he takes off the gauntlet and he hands it to his um, to his mattress landing person, the assistant, and um, he he steps over and he says, "Hey, yes, uh, no, I I I there's plenty of people from the Eastinghouse here uh, company. There lots of representatives. A lot of our gadgetry actually comes from you know." parts that they sell um, but they have a booth over there and he points to the far side of this inner square and there's just this stupidly like massive uh, exhibit and it's got the Eastinghouse company logo up above and there's like 10 people working it they're all like really pretty models you know that kind of dumb sort of convention thing and um, that's what you can kind of see through through the crowd some very subtle marketing going on for them, I see. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I, I appreciate the information. Thank you. I will look around some more. Yes, and he takes the licorice and eats it as well. So other than the uh, chrono gauntlet and the uh, ethereal safe, are there any other big items that Ignatius notices that are really cool? 
Yeah, I'll say that like you notice the other six things. Um, without this, maybe it doesn't catch your your mind too much or whatever. But you see some goggles, you see some boots, and you see just like a little orb that you're not really sure what it does. But probably the most interesting thing to you, and I'm going to say probably to Norwich as well, maybe, is uh, you see an automaton that's probably about ten feet tall, and it appears to be wearing like monastic robes. Uh, I think Norwich is going to kind of just gravitate over there. Um, he's, I don't know if on high alert, but certainly like curious. Um, so he's going to kind of go up there um, and be like, Hey guys. So uh, what, what's going on here? That's a uh, cool kind of robot you got there. And this very young kind of, um, stocky, half-orc, dark mahogany skin, and glasses and a leather apron comes up, and he's like, yes, uh, hello, my name is Nar Bone Grinder, and um, uh, I, it's, it's a, it was a calling of mine to, um, to invent rather than kill. I, I've stepped away from my clan of, of murderers and, um, and uh, pillagers, and I've, I've turned to a life of inventing, and, and I was inspired by you know, monks of, of various religions that uh, that have this peaceful mindset, and that is what Nar Bone Grinder is all about these days, and he reaches up and shakes your hand. I think Norridge immediately, you know, kind of feeling uh, a similar a similar background, immediately is just like, oh yeah, this, this guy's the real deal. Um, so kind of, you know, shakes his hand back, and he's like, Hey, you know, that's a, that's a pretty inspiring story. I got to say, uh, you know, I kind of, I echo that one. Uh, you know, my, my family, not, uh, not the nicest kind of people. Uh, and here I am, you know, not following in their footsteps in, in the best way possible. Um, I, you know, I, I myself am, am a monk. Um, I, I work over at the, the eight pass monastery. Uh, you know, I haven't been there for too long, so I don't know a ton, but I mean, if if you're looking for for monk tips or like anything like that, I'm I'm certainly happy to help you. <laughs> and he chuckles and he says, "Oh, monk tip! Yeah, I would love that. I'm still programming the uh, the automaton here, the mechanical monk, as I call him. Um, but we are working on things like carrying pails of water and helping people." Uh, lift heavy objects. I've already used him once to help a family who had lost their home in a fire and we rebuilt the building. And so we are, I'm working towards a more autonomous programming for it. But I yes. mean, that all sounds great. You know, I, I don't understand some of those fancy words, but <laughs> I, I like the sentiment behind it. So you, you certainly got, uh, you certainly got me as a supporter there, my friend. Mr. Uh, Bone Grinder, was it? Yes, Nar Bone Grinder. I don't think I've introduced myself. My name's uh, Norridge Flesh Ripper. Uh, so we, we got the same kind of fun little name thing going on there. Look at that. That's hilarious. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and he shakes your hand and and he kind of makes the monk do some fun, cool things. I don't know. <laughs> I think Norridge is going to try and emulate some of those fun, cool things. I imagine they're just kind of various... It's it's like a monk pose off. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, uh, I would like to uh, come back and uh, walk over to where uh, Norwich is, and uh, 
seeing this automaton, I would I would uh, uh, pose a question to this Nar Bone Grinder. I'm gonna say, uh, pardon me, sir. Uh, I was just curious. Uh, is is there a name for your company, or did you work in tandem with any other company to build this design for this automaton? I mean, uh, I am myself a singular inventor, but uh, of course I've had input and I've had uh, parts and devices. I I can't make all of the things myself. Um, depends on what you're asking about. Um, some of the gears are, are from local blacksmiths. Some of the uh, more intricate parts come from other places, but it was I who put it together, yes. Can I... Uh... Tail teller, can I make a sort of insight check? Uh, I would be using brains for this to see if I believe that he's being honest about that. Mm-hmm. So I've got a my number is three, and I'm gonna roll. Let's see, I'm just gonna roll a single d10. Uh, uh, if I get higher than three, that's a success. Do any of your boons work? Or I have stealthy and smooth talker, but I I don't think I'm really using the smooth talker in this instance. Okay, because you're just trying to insight. Yeah. Okay. I got a four, so... So that's a success? Over three. Yeah, okay. That's the part that's going to mess with my brain every time. Um, uh, yeah. And don't forget there are different levels of success in this game. Oh, that's right. I should look that up. Yeah, with a one, you succeed, but it creates complications. That's right. That's right. So it's one is you got the job done, but it's a little more complicated. Okay, cool. He, you, you get the vibe that he's telling the truth, but you also get the vibe that he's maybe keeping some part of what he described more vague than maybe it should have been. Well, that makes sense. I don't expect him to like spill the beans on everything yeah. he makes. So. Yeah. All right. That's acceptable. Yeah. And then, so are the three of you are just kind of hanging out here talking with Nar bone grinder. Errol, are you, were you going to break off or was that something that you were going to do later? Um, I'm kind of just seeing what everybody else is doing at the moment. Uh, unless Ignatius, do you have anything you'd like me to do? I, I would very much like you to investigate the Eastinghouse company at their booth and see if uh, Mr. Edmondson is about perhaps. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So I'd be, I'd be willing to do that. I think initially I would, uh, attempt to sneak up on the booth just to see who all is there. Okay. I don't, um, before I leave though, um, Ignatius, I don't actually know what this Edmus Tomlinson looks like. Could you give me a description of him real quick? Imagine a piece of <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's a gnome. He's very elderly, uh, a wizened man, uh, gray eyes, sallow skin uh you'll know him by the stupid vacant expression on his face <laughs> no he's actually quite clever unfortunately <laughs> he's uh a warlock of some renown unfortunately he steals ideas but you'll know him as his ego is only matched by uh his evil nature <laughs> so if you see people bowing and scraping to a presumable moron uh, that would be uh, Mr. Edmondson. <laughs> All right, noted. Um, yes, so I would um, do my best to. I, in this case, I'm four foot tall, and I imagine there's quite a few who are much taller than me. So I'm I'm going to stealth by trying to blend into the crowd and like be swallowed up. Okay. And I'm just going to do a little peek at this tent to see um, see who all's there. See if I notice this gnomish, in, gnomish individual. 
So you make your way around this kind of this sort of inner square. Um, the booth is basically like ninety degree corner from where um, the mechanical monk is, and um, it's easy enough for you to blend into the crowd. Um, but if you wouldn't mind making a, would that be brains? Is because speed is speed was more brains, right? Or that's up to you. I would say that's more bronze if he's trying to go fast, but I'm not it, the TT. Yeah, it, it depends on if you're trying. If you're just trying to be stealthy, I would assume that's more of a brains thing. If you're trying to like dart between people and keep low and dodge out of the way, I would say that's more of brawn. Yeah, no. For this, I'm just doing my best to keep to the shadows and use strategic positioning to be hidden. So, okay. So you want to make a brains roll? All right. So uh, you can probably make it with a boon, right? Yes, I have stealthy as a boon, um, and I would like to say I'm prepared because yeah. uh, this is kind of my jam. So you're actively, you know, planned to do this. So, <laughs> all right. So I got a one, a five, and a five. So two successes and one failure. Okay. So, and I think that's just kind of normal, right? Yep. Yeah, that's just you did a good job. Mm-hmm. You do a great job. You sneak on over. The booth is huge. It's this huge, like, wooden structure archway. It has the Eastinghouse Company logo on the top. And there's this big group of people all standing around an individual in the middle. And they are presenting what looks like a pair of boots, right? And these boots are are very, like, nice scrolled leatherwork boots. And uh, the person wearing them is just sort of a, I don't know, tall, half-elven person. And um, uh, they're in the middle of this presentation, and they say, Gravity boots, but not the way you think. And then they stump their feet once, and everyone else around them reverses gravity and flies up to the ceiling upside down and this arch or this this um exhibit they have has a has a roof so that they're not going up to the convention center roof um and they all flip around and jump upside down anti-gravity and the person wearing the boots is still there unaffected and then he stomps his feet again and they fall down and so this is the this is the thing they're showing off they don't see you because they're putting on this big show and they're all laughing and cheering and clapping each other's on the back it feels very showy um, and so all I see is the usual attendance of the tent or booth and this half-elf who's presenting the boots. Yeah, not you don't see a gnome, you don't see any sort of like back alley people or anything like that. It very much feels like if you guys have ever been to a convention and you, the people presenting the thing don't actually know anything about the thing except that this is what it does and this is what they should show you and that's kind of it. You're getting that sort of like vibe from these people and there doesn't seem to be like a back area or like a vip tent in this area or anything like that i would say there's probably a back door behind this exhibit but there's not like a vip area it's it it probably looks more like a storage for the exhibit or booth okay uh with that real quick i would like to um approach this i will break from hiding and i will step up to this half-elf individual uh, who's presenting the boots, uh, I'm going to say, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, sir, I, I'm, I'm from uh, uh, Glissant Family Olive Oil Farms. <laughs> um, I 
recently we had a package sent to us uh, from an unknown source, and we believed it was a sample for a new uh, olive oil crop. Uh, but it turned out it was urine, and I had heard that you might have received similar treatment from some <laughs> individual. And I was curious if maybe you knew anything about this, or if, if if you could point me in the direction of someone I could talk to. If y'all know who who the perpetrators are behind this foul act. Uh, and the half elven man like kind of laughs, and he he claps you on the shoulder, and he slips the boots off, and he and he. He kind of like pulls you over to the side and steps away and he gestures for his assistance to continue on. And then he kind of pulls you over into the shadows and he's smiling. He looks around and then he gets down really low and he's like, what are you doing bringing attention to things like that in public? This is a show. We're trying to put on a show and you're talking about urine. (laughs) Uh, I'm very sorry, sir, but this this piqued me and made me very angry, but there was an unknown sender, and I had heard that something similar had happened at your at your place of business. If there's anybody you know who could give me any more information on this, I would love to know. Well, uh, we're all temporary workers for the Easting House Company, except me, of course, and, and uh, there's a representative here, but he's busy with the finale event, so I, I can't help you, I don't think, but there, there's someone maybe later you can talk to. Oh, so they're, they must be in a different office or, or building around the area? They're busy getting ready for the, the evening show, yes. The Easting House Company is putting on the grand finale. Um, could you point me in the direction of this grand finale? I'd like to see it. Well, it's a secret, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, well, uh, thank you for your time. I'm, I'm sorry to have uh, bothered you, and I won't mention that word again in in your presence in the presence of your tent here i apologize we're trying to sell boots not urine and he storms off (laughs) okay with that i will uh return to my compatriots well who pissed on his boots (laughs) uh if you remember correctly we did (laughs) yeah so i will uh head back and uh approach uh ignatius and and uh Norwich, and I will say, um, well, the the tent seems to be a bust. Uh, they're mostly just temporary workers. Doesn't seem like they know much. They did say something about a grand finale uh, being put on by the Easting House Company. Um, I don't know if that's the event they were asking you to judge. Well, I have a certain idea that perhaps we could uh, interrupt the final of the finale in an epic way, and uh, perhaps infuriate the Eastinghouse company, which is always a positive thing in my book. That sounds like fun to me. Um, also, uh, Ignatius, I don't know if this is of any interest to you, but the, the invention they were showcasing were some gravity boots that seem to reverse gravity on people in the area. Is that anything of interest to you? I mean, it's certainly of interest. I don't know who invented it, but I can assure you it was not Mr. Edmondson. Hmm... So perhaps we should find the uh, true inventor of these gravity boots and uh, let them know that their invention has been stolen if they were not already aware. One thing we may want to consider there, Ignatius, I like the idea, but one thing we may want to consider is kind of being quiet. (laughs) I mean, if, you know, if if something goes down, then obviously we'll be there, but... I, I don't want to, uh, you know, have yourself be put in a situation where we, we you know, we go in and we we meddle with uh, this final showing 
Um, I would just be worried that that, you know, might tarnish your name a little bit more if, uh, if Edmondson, I mean, he seems like a pretty conniving guy. He might be able to, you know, spin things in a way that, uh, that turns it back on you, even if, uh, that's not the case. Well, not if it doesn't know it was me. I actually was thinking about possibly snatching these boots. <laughs> Tell Teller, what, uh, what, what did they look like again? Did they, did they look like overtly metal mechanical boots? No, they were like leather with like gold scroll work on them. They're, they're, they're probably just like overly fancy leather boots. Um, Ignatius. <laughs> Do you have any way that you could, um, do you know of a way you could adorn my boots with a similar gold, gold scroll work? Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, Teller, I cleanly stated at the beginning of the episode that I had freshly new, like polished boots. You did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a set of tools on me. Perhaps I could, uh, cobble something together to make your shoes a little more showy. Um, I will grab a spare piece of parchment and try and scrawl what I think the scroll work looked like and hand it to Ignatius and say, like, can you do this in gold, perhaps, on the boots? I'll, I'll hand you my boots as well. Hold on. <laughs> Norge, put me on your shoulders so I can see the scroll work on those anti-grav boots. Aye, aye, Captain. Um, <laughs> and just... Uh, Norwich picks Ignatius up. I think at this point it's it's almost a running joke between the two, just kind of by the scruff of his <laughs> neck and just plops him right on the shoulder. I actually stand up on his shoulder so I can get a little <laughs> more height, like a parrot on a shoulder. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's not a hidden thing. You can easily um, see what the scroll work looks like and everything. Can I copy it since I have seen it? I have tools and I am an inventor. I think you can roll for it. <laughs> Hooray, rolling but, for yeah, it. Yeah, being, I'm sh How many dice would you say I can roll? I would say two at minimum and then if, be just because of like your background, but I don't know if you think there's another one that you would maybe get. Well, how about two tens? And that's over my brain's roll by quite a bit. So that's two super successes. Yes. Oh, wait, you just, you got two tens? Whoa, nice. Okay. Um, you can, you could. I guess not a super success because I didn't hit yeah. my number, but it's a success. You feel extremely confident in your ability to recreate this scroll work on these boots. <clears throat> um, would this be something that you were going to like paint on or are you going to try to actually do like the engraving of leather? I don't know how this leather works. <laughs> I have no idea as a person. <laughs> I would, I would try to do the, uh, I don't know if engraving is yeah, the I right word, uh, what, gold work, gold scrolling. I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. Filigree or something. I have no, I have no idea. Filigree, I, but put, I, basically make it look exactly like those other boots. That's what I'm going to try to do. Okay. I don't want to presume to tell you uh, what you would do, but I'm sure uh, being someone who probably works with electronics, you probably have some gold leaf or something, some sort of gold conductor with you. So like, yeah, undoubtedly. I'm sure you could find a way to fashion that. I see. I will allow it. I mean, worst case, I could take a little bit of Archimedes and. Oh, there you go. Um, so 
and you guys are just you're just, are you doing this on his shoulder or what do you what do you do? What's your... <laughs> I get down so nobody sees me. Maybe try to like hide in the corner and have Norge stand in front of me so they can't see what I'm doing. Yeah, I think Norge crosses his arms, tries to look as mean as possible, um, and like if anybody you know kind of starts looking for more than a second, he's like. Okay, move along there, guy. Uh, this is this is some official inventor work here. Uh, stuff is going on that you don't need to be a part of. Keep it, keep her moving. Okay, so you guys are still kind of in this like central area, but just tucked in between some booths or something. Yeah, I I imagine you know there's probably little alleys. Yeah, there are. <laughs> okay, so it takes you some time. We'll say. Um, to do this it, it takes you a little while um and after a little while you feel pretty confident about your product um maybe some other show stuff has gone on maybe uh the mechanical monk was doing some stuff we'll say it takes you you know the better part of like 20 minutes or something to make this um i will go up to norwich uh after i receive the boots from ignatius once he's done uh i will go up to Norwich and I will say, um, Norwich, buddy, I could use your assistance. Uh, you don't need to like give any information about yourself, but if you could perhaps outside of the booth, uh, cause a distraction or, um, maybe Drake could help you and you could like be chasing a duck and say that Mm -hmm. it got into something to like divert attention. And I will try to swap the boots. I think I got something I can do. Um, so question for you. Tail teller. Mm-hmm. How so you said that the um the Eastinghouse booth had this like archway. About how tall is that? Um, I'm gonna say it was probably about twenty feet. They were probably trying to make it look pretty cool when people flipped upside down. So there's probably a good I don't know, maybe we'll maybe we'll say fifteen feet of like height so that you know you can see all the people upside down and it's all very interesting. Hmm. Well, I have, I have a funny idea and that's my only idea. (laughs) So I think Norwich is going to walk up to the, um, to this display. Um, and now wait, Norwich, before you go forward, perhaps we should all discuss what our plans are before we, uh, cause some sort of havoc that none of us are prepared for. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking, right? Um, so I'm going to go up and I'm going to ask um, our little friend there to, uh, you know, go go do a display with me because I'm a big guy. I think, you know, it'll be kind of cool if you can make a eight foot tall dude, you know, flip around and do stuff. What I'm going to do is when I'm flipping around, I'm going to uh, try and smash through the uh, the archway so that I keep going up. Everybody starts freaking out. There's panic. I'm on the ceiling. Um, and, you know, Mr. Half-Elf puts his boots away. And uh, and then in that moment, uh, you know, we can have Errol, Drake, one of the two kind of run in, grab the boots, switch them. Um, I'll figure my way off the ceiling. <laughs> sort of and, glossed uh, over that part of the plan. <laughs> Well, you know what? If I'm on the ceiling, people are going to be looking at me. They're not going to be looking at the boots. Um, so I would like to send Archimedes up on top of the arch to perhaps weaken a certain spot 
So when you hit it, you go right through and you don't have to bash it yourself. I mean, that could work. Um, and as for you landing, just a tuck and roll. Um, I like this plan. My only concern is the boots themselves. If he has to remove them, that might get kind of... He has to wear them to activate them, so I'm worried he won't take them off in the chaos. You have licorice, correct? <laughs> yes, always. Chew it up and spit it on the ground in front of him. Once he has that licorice on his foot, he'll have to take the boots off. I see nothing wrong with this plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Errol is impulsive by nature. That is my bane, so I'm like, all right, let's do it. Or I have the duck poop on him. I wouldn't want to keep <laughs> duck poop boots on. Okay, so you're going to send Archimedes over. And try to, like, I don't know if he can use his talons or his beak to just sort of, I assume it's probably like press board or something that they made this out of, not great material. Yeah. Uh, I would just send him over there to try to just bash at a spot and scratch it so that when Norge's full weight hits that, he goes right through. And I mean, to be fair, you know, uh, as mentioned before, Norge is... Almost 600 pounds. Yeah, I was um, going to say. Yeah. And he's also going to, you know, <laughs> try and try and kind of hit it with uh, with some momentum there. So it probably is not going to take much, especially if it's made with, you know, uh, smaller or a weaker material. Archimedes, I mean, any help is help, but Archimedes may not even need to do a whole lot of much. Well, we'll say Archimedes flies over. I rolled for Archimedes because I haven't rolled yet. And uh, for a brawn thing, and that's below uh, the number uh, that I came up in my mm -hmm. head, which I just said was five, and he actually got two successes. So um, we're going to say that you send Archimedes over while maybe while you're doing this scroll work on the boots, right? Mm -hmm. It's a tag team thing, and Archimedes, you just see him over there, like, get a hold of something and then, like, fly up slightly in the air and then spin in a circle and undo a bolt and then go to another <laughs> bolt and undo a bolt. And he, he unscrews like five or six bolts and then flies back over to you guys. And you feel confident in your setup. <clears throat> um, All right. Oh. oh, sorry. No, that's fine. I think uh, I, th I was just going to say, and, and you guys are welcome to, to do your thing. They're probably about to start another uh, showcase soon. Great. I think the plan's in motion. Uh, Norwich is going to walk over to, you know, to this area where it's going. Um, and he's going to, you know, just kind of stand, uh, you know, stand. Obviously, he stands out. I assume he's probably one of the taller people in the crowd. For sure. Um, and so he takes a look at the, um, you know, the person up there with the boots. And he's like, hey there, guy. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm bigger. Uh, your boots work on me. Of course, they it spreads out the weight. Uh, you you well, we could make it work for sure. Would you like to give yourself up as tribute? <laughs> I volunteer. <laughs> uh, and so he shoes off all of the other people. You know something about like the weight of the boots and or the weight of I the think ability. As he tries to shoe the people, um, Norge is going to be like, "Okay, but don't go too far now." Um, because, you know, I, I want y'all to see this because this is going to be really cool. I, I guarantee you it's going to be cool. And, um, I don't know if I need to roll for this, but I do have a boon that being, um, an aura of pleasantness, 
which is generally Norwich is a nice guy. He gives off good vibes. And even though he's kind of big and scary, um, he's a big teddy bear. And, you know, generally people can can see that. I think I think there's definitely a magical power of people who put off like good vibes in crowds. So I can see everybody being like, Oh, this guy's cool. Let's see what's going to happen. Like, and <laughs> so all the, all the model temp workers stick around and they're all chuckling and nudging each other. And then, uh, we'll say like a little bit of a crowd comes over, including, uh, the guy you met, um, Nar Bone Grinder. He's he kind of caught this too. And you guys, you you kind of get a crowd. You put on, a, you're putting on a little bit of a spectacle of like, oh, somebody else is trying the boots, that kind of thing. Um, but why don't you make a roll for me with your boon, um, as well? Um, and I, guess it's, I don't know, what what is this for Norwich? I'd probably call this brains. This is kind of like. I would, I would think so, yeah. It's a social thing, right? That was a brains thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to roll equal to or over my number, which, for the listeners, is seven. <laughs> um, and we have uh, we have one... Actually, we have one where I, I hit it exactly, and one that is a fail. If you hit it exactly, it's a super success, yep. and you're on a roll, and you get to carry a D10 forward. Yep. Great. So... Um, you can use that D10 at another time of your choosing, I believe. Uh, just looking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, awesome. So, yeah. Just kind of falling into the same uh, vein of that. And I will even say, like, you start catching the, the overarching crowd, too. The the people from the other lanes are kind of coming over and everyone's like, oh, this big guy's going to try out the gravity boots. And uh, Nadia is done... Um. Uh, viewing people and she kind of steps up too and she stands next to Ignatius or I actually I I shouldn't say that I don't know what Errol and Ignatius are doing during this um actually I was gonna uh actually say because I I do have an idea for this so I would like to make a stealth roll to uh be in position for when uh I think the guy is vulnerable and I can snatch the boots and swap them out real quick okay um but I also I want to put Drake into position, and I would like him to uh, when the half elf is trying to, is using the boots. I would like Drake to go up and undo his laces. Mm, okay. So that if he doesn't take them off, perhaps I can snatch them off his feet, or maybe he'll trip on the laces. Okay. So I will do my stealth check first, if that's okay. Yeah, you go for it. Um, I'm gonna use three D ten again since we planned for this, and I have stealthy yep. as a boon. That's fine. I got uh, two sixes and a four, so three successes Okay, for stealth. And then if you would like me to, at a later point, I can try and make a check for Drake to try and untie the laces. I was just going to say, since you got three successes, that third success is supposed to give you like a little something boost extra. We'll say that like that will count as Drake's ability to untie the shoes. Awesome. Ignatius is kind of just blending into the crowd, not trying to be suspicious so the uh, Eastinghouse company people don't see him. Okay. Um, but he does have Archimedes ready that if the guy doesn't take off his boots, basically I want Archimedes to fly at his face to knock him over so that Errol can run <laughs> in and snatch the shoes. Okay. All right. And I'll say that Nadia Bison, uh, she steps up and you see her then, but she's kind of off to the side and she's got her arms crossed and an eyebrow arched and she's just watching the show with a smile on her face. Um, okay. 
Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> right. so, I'm sure you did not plan for this as a DM. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rarely do we get to do what we plan for <laughs> uh, here at Fire Breathing Kittens. Um, how do you want to kick this off, Norridge? Are you you step up and the guy's like, all right, sir, come on over. Come on over and, and make sure you stand here underneath the protection of the uh, archway here above above us. And, and that will keep you from flying up too high. And uh, we'll activate these boots. Prod to you by oh, the sure. Easting Company, everyone. A wonderful invention created specifically by them. Boo. Oh, sure. <laughs> Norwich is definitely going to kind of lean into this and be like, you know, I'm I'm really happy you got this because I, uh, you know, I'm a big guy, but I'm scared of heights. So, you know, I don't want to get too crazy with this. Okay. And, uh... We'll say that, are you trying to get Drake to untie his boots, like, during Norridge's nonsense? Or- yeah, I, w- I was going to try and signal him so that right as uh, the guy activates the boots, he goes up and tries to pluck the laces out. Okay. And and that way, uh, after the chaos of the thing, perhaps he, like, stumbles over his laces or, you know, that kind of thing. Because I also have a plan once I uh, once I get topside as it were okay well then here we go so you go um stand up there underneath the thing and the guy's like all right everyone are you ready and everyone's cheering and he goes here we go and he stomps his feet down and with a surge of energy that washes over you this like noise and uh hits and all of a sudden you just feel like you're in the sky and you need to fall and so you start flipping upside down and heading towards the 15 foot, which for you is only like <laughs> right. a body length, a little over a body And I think as, as this is happening, I think Norwich is going to kind of tap into another boon of his, um, his martial arts prowess and monk focus. Um, and he's just going to kind of tap into his, you know, his monastic abilities and reflexes and as he, you know, as he starts flipping up in the air, he's going to, he's going to jump um, so that he's carrying as much momentum as he can to try and just barrel through this. Um, oh, so like time it so that you're, you jumped as it happened kind of thing. Exactly. Cool. Uh, so with this powerful push and uh, you probably like as you do that too, the guy's like wait and tries to <laughs> you know almost stop it, but it's too late. Uh, you flip up and you collide into the spot that Archimedes had weakened, and you feel this like thin little boards just kind of crack and break <laughs> under the pressure. Bolts go flying, crowd goes crazy for a second. Um, I think as soon as as soon as he goes through. Norridge is absolutely making a spectacle of himself, <laughs> like not even just this um, this little crowd that has amassed. He's trying to, you know, get the attention of as many people as he can. Um, so he's, you know, as soon as he goes through the board, he's screaming. <laughs> um, he's like, oh, jeepers. Oh, cripes. Oh, no, I'm in the air. Uh, this is not good. Um, this was not supposed to happen. Um, he's like yelling at the, um, I love the, the, I was just going to say, I love the idea of your scream is, <laughs> oh, jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so he's he's like yelling over at the um, the half elf with the boots, and he's like, "I told you I was afraid of heights. This you you said this wasn't gonna happen. Um, this, is this part of the is this part of the gig?" And the man's like, "Oh no, no! Uh, what do we do?" And and then how high is the? Um, I was just gonna say you <laughs> were talking like a hundred a hundred feet easy. Okay, so I think as soon as he hits the ceiling, like the the top of the ceiling, he's just going to start sprinting away on the ceiling. And I had said before that it was like a big domed glass like convention center, so I like to think that it's like curved too. So like yeah. you you know, maybe not the whole thing, but like yeah, you're you basically hit glass, you can see the sky below you. Um and then you uh start moving away along. Before he, as he starts running, you hear Ignatius yell, Norge, it's an area of effect. Don't run too far or you'll fall. Norge doesn't hear any of this because he sees, he sees the glass and he sees the sky. And I think Norge actually is like, is a little worried. He doesn't understand any of this, you know, invention mumbo jumbo. He thinks that he is just going to be falling forever. So he's just sprinting away kind of towards the, the bottom of the dome um, to where it's, you know, closest to the ground, but he's, you know, like I think Ignatius and Errol for, you know, for a second, they could tell that Norge was putting on a show, but (laughs) now Norge is no longer. Yeah. Norge (laughs) is no longer putting on a show. This is, this is his truth. (laughs) Okay. So we'll say that the, (laughs) the explosion through the roof, the floating up or not floating, I guess you're falling. So it would have happened pretty quickly. But you collide mm. with the roof, and you're standing up. This is the moment, Errol and Ignatius. What are you guys doing in this moment before Norwich starts this run? Yeah, so I would signal Drake and uh, have him undo the laces, which might have already happened yeah. around around the same time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, I would head over with the boots as stealthily as possible to get get into position. Uh, and if I I'm going to wait to see if I find a good opening, and if I don't, I might uh, attempt to push him over, but I'm going to wait just a little bit longer to see if I find an opening to switch the boots. Okay. Ignatius, are you doing anything in this moment? I think Ignatius is now worried about Norge's safety. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't think through putting his friend in danger. Norwich also did not through think through putting himself in danger. He is looking around for some sort of rope or chain that I can give to Archimedes to fly up and give to Norwich to tie on to something or like a trampoline he can land on or something. Ignatius is racking his brain for how to save Norwich's life from a hundred foot fall. <laughs> The guy, the half elf, um, immediately, immediately, this happens. He's like, "Oh no! Ah, quick, get the get the Easting House representative here immediately!" And he he's just kind of moving around and and looking up at Norwich and and trying to to figure out what to do. And everyone's eyes are up, including his, which is why he doesn't see his laces untied. And he trips and he falls down flat on his face. And just with like a thud and an ow, you have your moment if you want to use it, but we'll roll for some stealth or something like that. Sleight of hand. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would do my best to get in there and uh, switch the boots. Like, I'm not going to leave him without boots. <laughs> well, what's what's the better option here? I'm not asking the. Uh, I know. I know. I don't want the telltale to tell me. But so I guess it's up to me to decide. But I'm trying to figure out in my head, like, should I leave him without boots or should I just put new boots on him? And then which is more noticeable? <laughs> I would put new boots on him. I would say put the new boots next to him. Like when he fell, he fell out of the boots. Oh, that's a good idea. And they're already untied. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, in that case, I will uh, try to swap the boots or no, I will pull the boots, the, the gravity boots off and I will um, sort of lay the other ones. Like he just slid out of them when he fell and then I will uh, book it out of there. Now, um, tail teller. Mm-hmm. I, I would be okay with a stealth roll if that's cool with you, but in this case, because I'm impulsive, I'm going to take one die away from myself just because it's my bane. I think that makes f- a perfect sense. <laughs> okay. All right, so it's 2d10 for me. Okay. I also think we would... Can I add a dice for helping him and roll it? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you could add uh, back because that's a whole mechanic in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so I will roll. You can't the third help one. Norwich right now, so you might as well. <laughs> no, I can. I roll that. Okay. I roll the third one. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got a three. Oh, <laughs> so my number is a three, but I I, I rolled a three also yes. actually. Whoa. So, so I rolled a three and a two. Successes. Well, is it? But the honor roll is just one dice, right? Yes. Correct, but it's a super success, but right. you can carry one forward. Okay, so make sure you hang on to that for when you want. Yeah, so the guy, like, magically falls out of his boots. Like, it's not even necessarily <laughs> like you had to even try that hard. He, the laces were untied, they were, like, shin-high boots, and the angle at which he fell, they just sort of slipped off the backs of his feet. Um, and he's he hit his nose. You guys, if you've ever hit your nose, too, on the ground, like... That is all you're focused on. And so he does not notice even remotely that this boot swap happens. So you snatch up these uh, anti-gravity boots. Sorry to every future Fire Breathing Kittens uh, podcast GM, (laughs) um, but you have them now. (laughs) And um, you pretty easily are able to sneak out because everyone's eyes are still up at Norwich. (laughs) Amazing. Now, I would um, argue that uh, since the Edmondson and the Eastinghouse company had wronged Ignatius, perhaps he could have the boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, think Norwich is done with anti-gravity stuff <laughs> forever. Although, first, let's get Norwich down from the ceiling before we decide the ownership <laughs> of the boots. <laughs> and I will say for Errol, um, you, as you grab the boots... You, you can kind of feel, you know, kind of like a, akin to attuning to them. You feel this connection now to this column of energy that currently Norwich is in. And you can kind of sense that there is, in fact, a boundary to this. But at about this moment is when Norwich just starts sprinting across the glass <laughs> dome and heading for that. Ignatius, you were trying to find something? Yeah, there's lots of cool, weird gadgetry around. Uh, there was some fun stuff that you guys have seen. What are you feeling? Is there, like, a parachute? Actually, even better, is there, like, a hang glider I could get up to him somewhere. 
because I just have this great idea of Norge like on a kite, like flying around the whole <laughs> convention center before coming in for a landing. We'll say, hang on, let me roll. Okay, we'll say that Nar Bone Grinder, this this younger, like stocky half orc guy, he's like, oh man, that's that's my monk friend up there. Uh, we're gonna need to solve that problem, and he runs over to his his table, his booth where the the mechanical monk was, and he like hits a panel on the side of the monk, and like a avatar uh, staff, you know, last Airbender staff comes out, and it has like a glider thing on it, and he's like, I don't know how we can get it up to him, but but this might help, and he hands it to you, Ignatius. I immediately give it to Archimedes and tell Archimedes to go give that to the big guy. <laughs> okay, Errol, you notice too that Norwich is running to the border of this area of effect. Uh, so what do you want to do as you can feel this? So I would definitely uh, slip the boots on. I don't know that I will have time to tie them considering the situation, which, <laughs> which I hope doesn't come into play later, but... <laughs> I will slip them on and I will attempt to follow him in order to keep my area of influence with these boots uh, supporting him upward, if that makes sense. Okay. And if I if I can, I would like to try and find a way to slow his fall or his descent and see if I can deactivate the boots in a in a gradual manner. Okay. Also, at this point, Ignatius would be yelling, look at the debacle the Eastinghouse Company has created. What an awful and uncaring company. No one should buy anything from them. I think Norwich is is taking a page from that, too. And he's just like, how could the Eastinghouse Company do something like this to a to a big old guy like me? Come on. So, Norwich, as you're saying that, you notice out of the corner of your eye, as you're starting to run, um, a mechanical bird flying towards you with a with a glider-esque looking device. I think, so Norwich definitely recognizes this is Archimedes, yeah, yeah. and this is Ignatius. So he's going to grab the glider, um, and he's just going to kind of, I don't know if it's like a wearable thing, or if it's just something that he kind of holds um, but he's definitely going to take hold of it and get ready. And he's going to, you know, as Archimedes kind of flaps over by him, Norwich is going to be like, Delignatius, thanks for this. Um, and he's going to, you know, kind of handle this glider so that he's able to use it and control his descent. While he's flying, can I go over to the orc guy and be like, hey, how much to call this the Cogbright flying machine? <laughs> okay, so first of all, uh, Errol, you notice that the boots are an on-off situation. There's not you're not gonna be able to find this, but you see that Norwich has hold of the glider, so you could deactivate them and he could then be following the correct direction. Okay, yeah, I would I would at this point, if it looks like he's got a good grasp of that glider, I would uh, deactivate the boots. Okay, so Norwich, we All gotta right. roll something here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is a brains okay. roll. Um, so I'm going to say I'm only gonna roll one because I feel like <laughs> the, you know, maybe some vestige of mug focus would be able to kind of help me, but also Norwich is freaking out, so I'm just gonna cancel that out there. Okay, okay. I was gonna say I will. 
Didn't didn't you have one forward from earlier? Is that you do have? Uh, that's what I was gonna say. You do have your on a roll if you want to use it. I don't think this is the time okay. to use it. <laughs> would Archimedes be considered lending a hand? I think so. You could get. I would two, say two. Or you just want to roll one. If you want to roll, I just want to roll. Yeah, one. if you want to roll one, I'm not gonna stop you. Um, I will say that like <laughs> at this moment of your roll and this about to happen, you got a good hold of the the glider. You kind of got an idea of how it works. You just hang on to it. Mm. But as the gravity switches, you are now upside down holding a glider that is designed to be right side up and support your weight. <laughs> so this is also not helping your one dice situation because immediately what happens is it catches weird and you like flip 180 upside down. <laughs> so go ahead. Well, good for me. I rolled under what I need to. So it is a success, uh, but not a super success. Okay. Okay. So it's a success with complications, right? Okay. Yes. So you flip and you immediately like the weight of you on this glider is clear that this is not going to be a great situation. And it goes from like this great idea in the moment to like a high speed, like <laughs> you've ever seen, uh, have you ever like dropped a, something flat into water and it like, it's fine at first. And then it like catches an angle and it just zips off this direction, like insanely fast. You guys watch as he catches and yep. it, he falls like a leaf for a second and then just like takes off towards the edge of a <laughs> building. And, um, just for the sake of humor, you, I, cause I want this to happen. You zip towards the glass and you definitely get down quite a bit farther than danger but then you do the like cartoon splat against the glass and just like down the rest <laughs> of the way that's when ignatius turns to the orc guy goes never mind i was never here and walks away <laughs> the guy was midway through a contract <laughs> dang it um and uh i'm gonna say that just for the sake of that you're gonna take one pd of damage for whatever your damage is. Sounds good. Just because that we should is... do that. <laughs> yes, that is noted. Okay. So you collide in the thing and you squeak down the thing and then you collapse down into kind of the outskirts of this convention. Uh, Errol, you have the boots. You're welcome to tie them. I'm not going to make you not tie them up. You can tie your boots up. Uh, and uh, the kerfuffle is complete and... Um, and the crowd all rushes over towards Norwich. There's this big hubbub um, about it. Um, Ignatius, you said you were observant, correct? Mm-hmm. So as the crowd is rushing over, including all these, like, temp workers from the Easting House Company, there's this, you know, they're, they're trying to keep their name good. Uh, they're running over to, to go to where Norwich landed. Um, Errol, you probably have kind of stepped out. It's up to you if you want to go over, too. Um, Ignatius, as you go to kind of watch the crowd, uh, you do notice that um, that Nadia is not around. Uh, neither is um, uh, the <clears throat> neither is well. No, never mind. Okay, so Nadia is not around, and um, you don't see her rushing towards the rest of the group. So, Errol and Ignatius, what are you guys doing in this moment? Norwich is flopped on the ground, probably in pain. Yeah, I'm gonna cut it off soon. Is but, I'm sorry. Is Archimedes back with me? 
Yeah, he would. He he probably wouldn't have been able to keep up with Norwich, so he would have returned to you. Okay, then I'm going to send him up in the air to find uh, Nadia. Okay, because I think she's suspicious. Um, I would just go uh, after tying my boots. I would go check on Norwich and see if I can dust him off a little bit. Okay. Uh, so you, Errol, rush over and make your way through the crowd. Norwich, you know, you just hit the ground hard. What's, what are you doing? <laughs> you getting up. I think, um, I think Norwich, you know, kind of slows, like slowly gets up. And so he's like, oh, woof Ah, uh, you know, and he kind of addresses the crowd and he's like, okay, everybody, you know, that hurt, but here I am. I'm still standing. Um, but, and he kind of looks for any of like the, you know, the, the temp workers of the, the Easting house. Yeah. I think the half elf is there. He's probably, he probably snatched up the boots and is holding them, the fake boots now, um, and not wearing them. And he rushes over and he's like, I'm so sorry, sir. I don't, I don't know what happened. You, the boots just were too powerful or I don't know, maybe. And he's just kind of babbling. Um, I think Norridge is going to, instead of, you know, trying to play like the, the Karen here, if you will, <laughs> I think he's going to try and play like a, a good natured civilian here. And so he's going to be like, okay, look, you know, I, I get it. You know, technology is technology. It doesn't work all the time. Uh, but that being said, uh, my friend, I would like to speak to, uh, you know, to, to the representative, uh, that's around here just to. Make sure, you know, make sure everything's all good. Uh, and, uh, you know, make sure everything's kind of up to board here. And the man's like, of, uh, of course, of course, yes. Uh, we can arrange that. We can arrange that. There's definitely a representative here. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, Errol, you kind of help Norwich stand up. And, um, and uh, as you guys kind of go up and the crowd kind of starts dispersing. Everyone sees that Norridge is okay. Norridge, you're being led kind of back over towards the Easting House booth. Um, Ignatius, you sense Archimedes come back down and he kind of nods his bird head over towards Nar Bone Grinder's booth and the mechanical monk. And as you kind of look over, you see Nadia Bison walking away from that area and in this moment, you see the monk, the mechanical monk, like from this meditative position, kind of step up from that position. His eyes like turn and look over towards Norridge and go red. And it starts sprinting <laughs> T-1000 style towards Norridge and this crowd of people. Uh-oh. And that's where we're going to take a break. <laughs> okay so oh, no. break time uh we'll be back in a little bit uh so for this first half we were joined by errol Corvabau. uh um, yeah go ahead sorry i forgot <laughs> um errol's striking a pose in these new boots and he's just looking like oh new boot goofing <laughs> and ignatius Looking at the running robot thinking, well, this certainly can't be good. <laughs> and then Norwich. <laughs> I think Norwich turns his head, sees this monk running at him, and he's just like, oh, cripes. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Actually, we uh, have a review, I believe, also. Okay. Uh, that that we do. Um, so, you know, make sure to uh, to write reviews because if you do, we will read them on the air. Uh, this review comes from uh, E.M. Kiziar 5.16 um, and five-star review, thank you very much, uh, stating, I just started listening via Spotify from the first available episode and now I'm at Ghost Tea Party. I love everything about the podcast, especially how innocent it is. I recommend the show to everyone and I'd love to join someday. My love to Dr. Crud Third, Beans, Olive, Nesgrax, Furious Johnson, Jenny, Tanager, Curry, Raincloud, Moonglow, Boltzmann, Aaron, Oren, Rolo Specklebottom, Meerkat, Mocha, Riffman, and I'll Never Forget You, Sitara. Thanks to all the other members as well. Please keep making the same phenomenal content. Well, thank you very much, mkizyr 516 um, And if you send a review in, uh, we will read it at a future date. Wonderful. All right. We'll see you in a bit. Today's mid-episode shout-out is from Stu underscore Preck, who says, quote, B-E-A-T, beat'em, B-U-S-T, bust'em, beat'em, bust'em, that's our custom, go Blue Jays, end quote. You can arrange for us to read your shout-out at firebreathingkittenspodcast.com through our partnership with Buy Me a Coffee. We have paperback, hardcover, ebook, and audiobook adaptations of our adventures on Amazon and Audible. Lastly, we don't pay to advertise our show, so the only way we can grow is if you tell someone about us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so welcome back from uh, our break here. Uh, we, I guess, someone's got to do a little, little, little recap. Do you guys want to? Uh, how do you want to I- handle this? I'll do the recap. Okay, sounds good. Um, So we got a letter from uh, Nadia Bison. Well, Ignatius got a letter from Nadia Bison and the the Shining Futures. I need to write this down. Yeah, Shining Futures Foundation. Shining Futures Foundation uh, invited Ignatius, Norge, and one other guest to uh, the Realms Fair, which is a... uh, invention thing similar to the world's fair uh we showed up nadia welcomed us we walked around and saw a couple of cool things and then we decided to steal some anti-gravity boots uh norge being a large fellow went over and talked to the guy uh, that had the boots on i had sent archimedes my flying raven clockwork raven to uh loosen the roof on it so that when Norge went upside down, he broke through. Uh, Errol snuck in and stole the guy's shoes. So now we have a cool pair of anti-gravity boots. Uh, Norge was saved by a what would we call a flying like a glider? A glider uh, a la uh, last airbender. Um <laughs> Then uh, another inventor had invented a monk that was supposed to be peaceful when Norge hit the ground. Uh, Nadia Bison walked over near this robot, and now the robot is running at Norge a la T-1000. Did I miss anything? That's perfect. 
And Norwich, again, you look and you see and you hear the thud, thud of this metallic steampunk uh, monk with its its interesting robes, just bloodlust in its eyes, if it had real eyes, and it just <laughs> running towards you. And uh, partway through, it it um, it like does the uh, Henry Cavill like. Uh, cocked his arms in Mission Impossible like punch maneuver, uh, and he looks <laughs> like he's ready to uh, to throw down. And so that's what you guys see rushing in. And so we're gonna start part two off with combat. <clears throat> cool. Um, I think. What's up? Oh, I was just gonna say Norridge. It uh, would have seen this and you know kind of jumped to his feet and pulled out from his back. Um, the double-bladed polearm that he uses for one of his monastic fi- fighting styles. So he's uh, ready to go, as it were. Okay. Um, Ignatius, I will say you were you were kind of off to the side. Uh, so you the monk is essentially running, you know, not away from you exactly, but you know, you're 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 farther away. Um, and then Errol and Norridge, you guys were together. So the monk is essentially running towards you as well, Errol. Okay. Um, little bit about brains and brawn and you know we it's a very light rules game movement is interesting it talks about it just being up to us to basically decide how move how many movements it would take to get somewhere um it talks about being in a crowded space or tavern it might take you one movement might only be five feet versus an open field one movement might be 50 feet so it's kind of we can kind of decide on that but basically you get two actions per turn or yeah per individual turn and it's all based on the idea that a success does a single point of damage there's not damage rolls uh and you guys are basically you describing what you want to do and we make rolls according just kind of like we've been doing it's um it's kind of open in that regard so and i have stats for my mechanical monk thing and it has its own number for the listener just like they have a number this mechanical monk has a number as well that i'm going to be basing things on so the monk runs over it skids to a halt right in front of norwich and errol pumps its fists and the crowd like scatters they're just civilians they like scream and run and flee in different directions and errol you're probably about i don't know 50 feet away um, or I'm sorry, Ignatius, you're 50 feet away. Um, and we are going to roll initiative, right? And I think that was one plus, I got to load up the rules. Did you guys one have it plus your number. It's one yeah, plus your number. One D10. Okay. Yep. I got a three. I rolled a one. I guess I got a four because I rolled a one and my number is three. So I'm not going first. Okay. I, I got an 11. Uh, I got a 12. Okay, so we got Errol, Norwich, and then Ignatius. Unfortunately, my guy rolled very well. So, probably, sort of fittingly, um, the monk runs over, pumps its fists, and just rears back and takes like a flying kind of punch towards Norwich and is going to attempt to attack you. Now, I believe... I got to look up combat again. I believe it's just the 1d10 based on what I'm doing. This is a brawn attack. Do I get... Do you guys remember? Do you get any sort if of If like you bonus? have any boons that apply to it, you can add a d10. Right. And so it's not if you're specific. prepared. 
Well, I think we'll go with he was prepared because he rushed over and is trying to punch you, but uh, does not have any boons that help him in attack. Um, so I'm going to roll. He has to get below for brawn, correct? Yes. So I got one success and one failure. Uh, so the punch comes over and hits, but you're able to maybe move slightly out of the way and it collides with your shoulder. And you feel this metallic, like, clang hit you. And um, so one success means you take one PD of damage. Or one, yeah, one PD. Um, and so there you go. And then now it would be Errol's turn. I don't have that good of a combat score. So two two actions. Uh, does one of those have to be a movement? I was trying, having trouble finding you that. You can do any two things either okay. move yeah. move move attack move like you have two actions to do anything okay so um uh tail teller is there mm-hmm. can i would it be an action to like observe this thing and see if there's any like specific weak points uh or any yeah. sort of openings in its mechanical yeah like take a moment to like do an analysis of it uh, would that be brains for this yeah, for sure. Okay, so um, I don't have a boon for this. Um, I don't know. Would I be prepared? Is this? I don't think you'd be prepared. Okay, so it's just <laughs> gonna be moment. so a d10. Okay, that's cool. I got a two, so I failed. <laughs> okay, and it's. I would say it's less that you failed and and more that you you look at this thing and it's just a big metal like the the casing of it is pretty strong. Like you would probably. It, maybe if you could get to the interior, you could do something, but it's just like a robot. Like there's not a lot to it and it looks pretty tough. Okay. So, um, since I don't see a specific weakness, uh, mm-hmm. I do have in my inventory, uh, I have a bottle of Glissant family olive oil <laughs> and I want to attempt to chuck it at this thing. And I was my ideal situation would be to uh, splash it underneath its feet in an attempt to make it lose its footing. Oh, okay. Um, but overall, anything that this olive oil could do to gunk up its system or anything like that would work. So um, I don't know. Would this be brawn or brains? I'm not sure on that one. Well, if you're trying, uh, if you're trying to like break a vial of olive oil, I'm going to say that's brawn, maybe. Okay. I don't know. What do you guys think? feel like that's a yeah. strength truck yeah unless you want to roll whether the idea will work or not then i would say it would be brains <laughs> now does does the uh the bottle of olive oil count as me being prepared um sure i don't care <laughs> yeah i mean you okay. had it on you and you thought about it so that's preparation in a way all right i'm gonna i'm gonna toss it okay Ooh, i got a Oh, this isn't good, actually. Yeah, I got zero successes. <laughs> I got a ten and a five. Oh. So, um. So you toss the oil. It does explode. It hits the machine, but maybe not what you were expecting. It lubricates all the gears, <laughs> and the machine is actually working better um, than before. And it seems to even be moving maybe just a little bit faster. <laughs> uh, Norwich. That didn't go like I planned. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I think I got something that can take care of that for you. And it's your turn, Norwich. <laughs> okay. Isn't it? So. <laughs> What's that? That's why Norwich hasn't gone yet. Sorry. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So Norwich, um, so this mechanical monk, is it like right up on Norwich basically? Yeah. He, he, he doesn't have a weapon. He punched you. So he's within punching range. Great. So Norwich is going to take two attacks. So the first attack, um, so for the listeners, Norwich is a member of the eight paths monastery and specializes in fire and earth style. So he's going to first use an earth style move to kind of almost imagine like earth bending since we're going with the last airbender kind of, (laughs) kind of feel. So he's going to, he's going to kick his foot out and a, like a, a line of kind of jagged earth is going to, is going to come and try and destabilize this monk. Um, and Norge is going to follow that up with his, so his double bladed pole arm, he's going to, um, He's going to make it into two separate uh, kind of daggery weapons. Um, and he's going to use his fire style to charge those up with fiery energy and try and one, you know, try and stab into this monk um, and hopefully lighting this olive oil. Oh, interesting. Okay. So this is going to be, um, so for each attack, I'm going to get, um 1d10 from the base um a second d10 from the martial arts prowess boon and are we going to call this prepared i don't think the first attacks are prepared I'll, I'll maybe like i don't know it seems like you wouldn't be necessarily prepared as much as reactive in this moment okay so the first one um is so the the earth style the the destabilizing strike, I'll call it. That's going to be one success and one fail. Um, and then do you want me to roll the other one as well? Yeah. All right. The other one is going to be two successes. Okay. So for the first one, you were trying, were you trying to like destabil or sorry, destabilize his footing or were you trying to do damage? Um, I'll say I was trying to destabilize his footing. Okay. If that's the case, you know, you basically, <clears throat> You get it up under one of his feet, but maybe in a move like that you might recognize he's able to like reposition his body in such a way where he catches his balance, but he's stepped back away from you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the second two attacks um, that would just do damage, you had two successes, right? Yes. Um, giving you a clue as to one of his boons. Um, one of them hits and then the other one that seems like it should have success, he's able to block. And um, he has a defense, basically, towards hmm. deflecting things. So um, so you've done some damage to my guy, but there you go. Uh, and if that's there, then it would be Ignatius's turn. Next. <clears throat> From where I'm standing, can I see Bone Crusher? Bone Grinder? Bone Grinder, uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, you got to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. In that uh, you probably saw him um, freak out uh, as his machine came and attacked you, and he's rushing over and he's doing something at his booth. So he's, for where you are, he's probably closer to you than the machine, but he's rummaging and he's he's doing something at his uh, vendor booth type thing. I am going to rush over to him. Okay. And ask, how do you turn the dang thing off? 
Uh, and he turns and looks at you and he says, that's what I'm trying to find, my kill switch. And he's like going through the drawers and trying to find it. And he's just like throwing stuff everywhere. I'm going to use my turn to help him and try my best to find this kill switch. Okay. Uh, do you want to roll a brains? Sure. And you, I think your observant would go into this. Awesome. Also, I think I will allow you to still do something because unless, I guess, I guess, oh, I don't know. I guess you talk to him. That could be a turn. <laughs> well, <laughs> Not sure. I, I got two oh, no. successes. Okay. So um, you are able to spend uh, a moment uh, going through, going through all this stuff. And then finally your eye catches this like bronze um cylinder with like a notch cut out at the end and it just looks correct so you point it towards nar and he says that's it that's it now we just gotta get it in the thing do i see what he means by in the thing (laughs) he takes the little key thing from you and he turns you around and he taps you in the back of the neck right about there as your two and a half feet tall. <laughs> Is there another glider staff nearby? <laughs> I think Norwich has the glider staff nearby him. There's not a second backup glider staff? No, it it came it came like as part of the monk. <laughs> <laughs> I got an idea. And this thing's ten feet tall? Yeah. Okay. Ignatius is going to dash over to Norge and say, put me on your shoulder. I need to get to his neck. (laughs) Okay. So that will be your turn for your movement and everything. And then so on Norge's turn, you can figure out what you want to do. Great. But the monk is going to go next. Um, He he does not have a lot of intelligence behind his eyes. It seems more reactive but he goes into this like defensive stance and then he is going to try to trip um norwich and norwich he's he's definitely focusing on you in this so uh he's going to try to sweep out your feet um but he doesn't have a boon for this so uh what do i gotta do under brawn man i'm rolling way too high uh Uh, no, in a bad way. I got over oh. my brawn of a character that has a very high brawn um, <laughs> uh, for both of my roles. So he fails <laughs> for his <laughs> leg sweep, right? Because it's under brawn. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes to sweep and you are able to norage your way out of the situation. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's going to spin around and he is going to try to, um, or no, actually he's going to go into like a defensive stance. As his second action. Uh, Errol, you're up. Hmm. Use the anti-grav boots. I thought about it, but we're all, like, the rest of you will go flying too. Hmm. Fair point. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a rapier. I'm going to draw my rapier. I don't do very well in combat, but I'm going to uh, attack him and attempt to get his attention towards me so that he's at least facing the opposite direction so that if Ignatius does get an opening, he can place the thing in its neck. Okay. Uh, and I will, if so, I didn't say that, I'm going to go to the opposite side of Norwich. Cool. And I'm going to say, hey, metalhead. And then I'm going to try and 
<laughs> uh, would it take me uh, an action to move into that location? Because I wasn't. I think as long as you're like still within melee range, I don't care. It'd be more of like if you're moving to do something okay. else. But since you're just kind of shifting, that's fine. Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to use for this first roll, I'm going to use my honor roll. Oh, nice. And this is bronze, so every every success counts in this case. Can I say I'm prepared for this one? Uh, do you need to, or what? What is well? Because you have your attack, and then oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. That's fine. You can roll three d ten. Ooh, I got a nope. I got a two, so I got one success. That's better than none. one success. Okay, so you. Uh, you go around to that side, and um, were you you're trying to do a um, a rapier attack? Yes. Okay. Um, well, and but it, if if possible, I was trying to get his attention more than anything. Okay, and I'll say since it was one success, you don't do damage, but you are able to um, like get your rapier in one of his gears and kind of like bend it, and it like creaks and pops and makes this awkward noise, and his head turns from like this defensive stance looking at Norwich to looking down uh, towards you as well. The body's still kind of facing Norwich, but his attention is on you. Um, and so then I'll make a second attack as well. This one will only be two, 2d10. Okay. Uh, I failed, so no successes. I think I should have had a higher number. <laughs> For Is that because you're trying to roll under your brawn? Yes, I went with mostly brains. Uh, my number is three, so I rolled a four and a six. Oh, oh, because you have to roll under a three, right? Oh, dang. Okay, okay, I see. <laughs> that is hard. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Well, that's your turn. Uh, but you said they both failed, or did one succeed? I had the first success, but then my second action completely failed. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it. Doesn't change the situation. It's still looking at you, um, but it didn't take any damage. So then, Norridge, it's your turn. All right. Um, so Norridge looks over at Ignatius and says, "Oh, don't worry about that. I'll bring the neck to you." Um, <laughs> and so, the first thing Norridge is going to do is he's again, um, you know, these polearm blades. He's holding them akimbo. He's going to try and uh, just do some more damage. Okay. Um, and that is going to be uh, two successes. Okay. Then the next thing he's going to do is he's going to um, kind of use these as leverage to almost suplex this robot so that the neck is facing up on the ground. And I'm going to use my third, uh, my honor roll dice for this one, just for that extra little oomph. Okay. To try to pull it down to Ignatius's level. Exactly. Okay. Um, and that is going to be two successes and one fail. Okay. Well, two successes means you do it. Uh, nothing special. So uh, you describe, I guess, how you get this guy to go down to that level. It, it works. So. Yeah. So Norridge um, kind of, you know, sticks these two polearm things into the, um, like the, the collarbones almost of this of this monk and he flips around and just um you know like uses this thing's own momentum against it to flip it over himself and onto the ground face down okay 
Ignatius, you watch as the monk, and you probably feel as the monk <laughs> hits the crown in front of you, and the whole room thuds this massive metal creature, and it's your turn. I will run up and stick the uh, off switch into its neck. Okay, make a brains roll of some kind. You can be prepared. Cool. Two successes. Two successes. All right. So you go up, you take a moment, and you figure out the orientation of the key, and then what do you do? Stick it in the neck and turn it. (laughs) Okay. All right. And with this loud, audible, like, the monk goes from, like, forcing up against you, Norwich, trying to get up, to just, like, calm and shut down peace and quiet. And you hear Nar Bodengrinder in the back go, Ah! Oh, thanks. I'm glad you didn't have to destroy it. And he runs over and he, like, kind of shoos you off and he starts trying to get the, the monk, like, picked back up. I think Norwich is going to help um, Nar pick up pick up this monk and as he looks around and sees that most people have scattered Norwich is going to laugh and be like ha 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 oh this was a great show you know oh man uh, glad we glad we got that demonstration going huh and you know kind of elbow elbow Nar and give him a give him a knowing wink alright he I rolled to see if he was smart enough to catch it and he is um he he's like oh Oh, oh yes. Um, the the bone grinder mechanical monk uh, defense system was a success, and um, I'm glad you all got to see it. And he kind of does this really awkward presentation of it, and a couple people kind of come back out of the shadows of being running for their lives, and they're like mur- <laughs> murmuring as to whether or not this was planned. Um, Errol will go, come one, come all, see the amazing mechanical monk. It's amazing feats of self-defense. <laughs> and um, he uh, he takes a moment to like do something with the mechanical monk and he like checks it over and he like opens up an access panel on the front and um, and you can kind of see into like the core of this monk. Um, as he's like tinkering with it and he's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. And he's just speaking to you guys uh, as people are kind of coming over and he's like, I, it's not supposed to do this. I, I don't, I don't understand. So I'm just going to check some things before I turn it back on and we'll make sure that it's not going to do that again. Ignatius is going to walk over to him and say, son, what part of this was made by the Easting house company? And now don't lie to me now. And he he looks at you and he kind of sighs and he steps aside and he points at the core. And in the core, you know, whether or not it was made by them or not, you don't know. But there is like a cylinder, you know, kind of battery uh, energy cell kind of looking thing with their logo on it. Um, And I will say that you notice it's like an openable container and inside is energy and as you kind of peek in there and he points at it you see something floating around inside the cylinder i assume we've found your problem i'm going to reach in and pull the cylinder out and he's like oh, uh, oh uh, okay um well it won't work without that son at this point you can't object to anything we do to your robot that tried to kill us. As far as I'm concerned, it is already scrap metal. 
Okay, well, that's fair. I could maybe find a different power source, but uh, I, I guess that's fair. I'm very sorry for what has happened. Um, um, I think Norwich claps him on the back, and he's like, Hey, no, I'm no foul. You know, I, I think... As long as as long as you were trying to make a, a valiant uh, thing, I mean, look, I I'm not one for technology, but I know that you know sometimes things don't work out. So, water under the bridge, there, my friend. That's a fine outlook, and why I was so obsessed with the monks in the first place. It's just such a peaceful lifestyle. I'm very sorry. Something bad has come of it. Uh, and he goes over to like start tinkering with the with his mechanical monk. And um, Ignatius, you're able to see that there seems to be a piece of paper floating around inside this this energy cell thing. Ooh, can I read anything on it? It seems, yeah, you can read, you can, you'd have to like open it to think, and it's not like you're going to open it and like cause some sort of thing. It's just like there's a cylinder with like an energy thing in there and for some reason there's a piece of paper floating around in there and there shouldn't be that's not normal you've seen energy things like this before then i'm gonna open it and see uh what it says okay so you pull out the piece of paper and on it in a very sort of quick uh hand script um is the handwritten note that says for brimstone and um and that's all it says so I read that aloud and ask my companions, does anyone know what four brimstone might mean? Oh, boy. Uh, Well, the minute that you say four brimstone out loud, um, you guys see Norge's whole demeanor changes. Um, So, you know, he's talking with Nar, um, kind of a, you know, relaxed stance, smile on his face. Um, As soon as you say four brimstone, uh, you see he stands up straight. Um rigid like definitely no longer relaxed on high alert and you see norge's eyes glaze over where they normally are red and bright they're it's now completely black um and norge is standing there almost automaton like kind of waiting for his orders if you will um and for the listeners this is um, Norge's transformation uh, to the um, to his kind of sleeper agent self as a member of the Shadow Cabal, which is a league of assassins. Uh, this is also one of the forbidden styles of the Eight Paths due to um, the tendency to use poison weapons and hidden blades and, you know, quick kind of assassination moves. Errol, I don't think I screwed up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, big guy, you all right? Um, Norridge just kind of looks down to Ignatius. Um, doesn't necessarily do anything, but he just kind of looks down at him wordlessly and probably mimicking the mechanical monk a little bit. Yeah. Um, definitely very like rigid. And I guess, you know, normally when when these types of things happened in Norwich's past, um, they would be given orders. And, you know, once the orders are given, then Norwich carries them out. Um, So he's in kind of a like a holding pattern, so to speak, waiting for, you know, somebody who is authorized to give said orders. Ignatius is going to be like, can you come back to us? 
Um, I would like to uh, go over in front of Norwich uh, and uh, look at him, and I'm going to say, uh, uh, Norwich, I, are, are you okay? Do, is there anything we can do? I don't know. I guess... I, I guess Telltaler, is there, you know, is there anything else um, that this this would bring about? I think what happens is after a period of time of you kind of being blank, nothing does happen. And slowly you kind of come back to yourself after probably kind of an awkward like two minutes of you guys dealing with blank-faced and eyed Norwich. So you, I'll say, like, very slowly, nobody gave you those orders. Nothing nothing came of it, so you kind of start relapsing back into your normal personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I would say the transformation is, you know, complete either when when the order is carried out or after a few minutes of, of no order and so you know a couple minutes later norge's eyes um they almost unglaze back to his normal bright red and norge's stance um you know relaxes um and norge just kind of looks around um and he kind of looks at ignatius and errol assuming that there's probably some sort of like surprise and he's like what uh so what what we figure out about the uh the robot eh so I don't mean to be rude, but uh, what the hell was that? <laughs> uh, what what was what? I your eyes no, went, we were talking about the robot. Your eyes went black. You stood there real rigid for a couple of minutes, and then, like you had a big poop, you relaxed and you came back to us. <laughs> um, I think Norge's like Norge's face kind of goes pale. Um, and he looks like nervous for a second and he um you know he quick kind of grabs ignatius again puts him on his shoulder um and not like in a you know like a rough way just a quick way um and this is kind of norge's way of stealthy and he's like what happened did i do anything um and this is probably the most serious you've ever heard him Uh, no you just kind of stood there and looked at us you didn't say anything you just Got real rigid. It kind of freaked me out there. <laughs> um, Norridge is, you know, visibly, physically relieved at the fact that nothing happened. Um, and he's like, I can't talk about this here, but the fact that this did happen, uh, somebody knows uh, that uh, I, I'm not really at liberty to talk about that. I can fill you both in at the guild, but the short answer is um, this is not good. Uh, if somebody gives me specific orders, um, I very well might kill somebody or multiple somebodies. Um, so we, we don't want that. And the fact that there's that piece of paper in there, uh, means that somebody, uh, who has access to this monk core, uh, knows about this. And this is, uh, not a very peachy situation here, fellas. Is there a way to turn it off in case they turn it on again or like give orders to you like kill those guys over there and not us over here? Uh well, you know, it it's kind of one of those things like a like an authorized user. Uh you, you have to be the one to, you know, 
kind of put me into that um, and not necessarily, you know, saying this word, which you should not say around me, please, please do not. Um, it, it has to be the one who, you know, has the intent to do that. Um, they're, they're kind of the one that gives me the orders. It's, it's a weird thing. Um, now, hypothetically, what would happen if you were in that state and I said that word a second time? I don't know, but I, you might be able to be authorized, but... I don't know if you want to do that. I would just say, hey, buddy, can you do this for me? And I'll say, sure, um, because I don't know what will happen. I just mean worst case scenario that somebody tries to turn you against us. Perhaps I can override their commands, but let's hope we never have to cross that bridge. Uh, yep, let's hope so. But, uh, you know, if if that's the case, I mean, if I, if I turn again... Uh, do, Give that a shot. So, Errol, while these two are having this conversation and you're kind of just sitting there, uh, you feel a slight little tap on your shoulder. And <clears throat> you turn um, and there's no one on one side. And then before you can turn around, the classic joke of somebody tapping the far side of your shoulder, uh, you hear an older lady's voice uh, in your ear say, Hey, that was a pretty good lift I saw back there. And you turn and you see um, Rowena Goodwin your uh, sort of surrogate mother, I believe. Oh, Ma, what are you doing here? Hey, uh, uh, hey, uh, I, I'm here because um, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm selling baked goods. I'm, I'm here for, as a vendor, as a food vendor, and, um, and I saw you, and then she leans in and she's like, I'm actually here uh, doing a little bit of money laundering, and she just says that to you. Uh, <laughs> closely and she says but i saw i saw the boot lift i don't know why but that was pretty impressive uh there's a there's a shady guy at this convention who's stealing people's uh inventions and i i felt like i should maybe find a way to return these to the original inventor if if possible that's so nice of you you're such a nice boy and she squeezes your cheeks and you you know ma <laughs> i j- just recently i i ran into to a uh, Laurel, my my birth mother. Really? How did that go? I don't really know. There was some weird some weird time things and I'm not sure what the result is. I haven't seen her since. She was nice. Well, isn't that precious? And she <laughs> she pats you on the head and she says, Look, I just came over because I I wanted. I saw you over here, and I hadn't seen you in a little while. And I'm just over here for this convention, so I just wanted to say hi and meet you, and maybe you're nice friends. Look, uh, Ma, I, can you do me a favor? Yes, of course. Uh, you're the best, and you taught me everything I know. No, you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like. I would. Uh, there's an individual who was doing some shady stuff earlier. Uh, her name is Nadia Bison. I believe okay. she's owed over this uh, whole thing, and she was wearing a purple suit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could you go ahead and see if you can scout her out? And if you can, could you, like, distract her or lure her back this direction? Uh, anything to hold her up? Because I think she's running away. Okay, well, uh, I'm off to it. And she um, hands you a little bundle of baked goods and then scurries off. Awesome. All right, uh, I'll go back over to Ignatius and Norwich, and I'll say, uh, uh, guys, so I don't know what that was, Norwich. I'm, I hope you're over it, but uh, 
I think we should uh, investigate further. I think that perhaps that Nadia person is trying to escape or maybe report back to somebody. Maybe uh, Edmus Thomason. Yeah, something certainly fishy about that. I mean, the only person that I know that had access to that core, other than uh, other than Nar, is uh, I think Nadia was over there. Isn't that right? Yes, Archimedes did see her flee in the scene. The other question I have is for our friend, Mr. Bonegrinder. Um, what gave you the idea to make your robot a monk and also uh, a monk of a certain order that our big friend is also a member of? Well, I mean, I, like I, I said before, I, I've I spent some time um, around the monks, uh, Trying to learn a little bit about their ways and 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 their peaceful lifestyle, um, but uh, yeah, no, there was um there was a there was a monk who I I talked to a bit who, and she was this nice older lady and yeah she kind of gave me the the idea of of maybe designing my monk very specifically around that that style that monastery um so it wasn't entirely my idea I suppose. Uh. Norwich kind of looks over and he's like, do you know the name of the person that you talked to? No, she didn't give me a name, but she was, yeah, older lady, fine robes, fur around the collar, uh, black hair. Yeah, she was very nice. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Well, that doesn't really ring a bell, I don't think. Not to me either. Um, And he goes back to... um, getting the uh, mechanics all set up. And he, he looks at you, Ignatius, and he says, well, so is was something wrong with the core? Is, uh, that was something that I got from uh, Easinghouse representative. Yes, there was uh, a foreign object that was inserted. I don't know if it was necessarily the problem-causing agent, but it certainly uh, has certain ramifications. Mm, well... I guess I'll have to try to find a different power source. And he goes off and tries to rummage through his stuff again. Um, do I know which direction uh, Nadia Bison ran to? Did uh, Archimedes see her go like out a door or anything? Uh, not so far as to that. You just saw that she was moving um, probably over towards like where the Easting-House booth was. And you guys are kind of off to the side. But... That was just the direction. Everything kind of happened chaotically there, mm-hmm. um, and so you you didn't get that part um, fully detailed. Okay. Um, Tale teller, this um, mysterious older lady with the black hair. You you said her robes were uh, red. They're purple. Purple. Oh, I think I know who that is. Me too. Okay. So what would you guys like to do? Like, I, I'm not sure where we go from here. I think we need to find Miss Bison and uh, confront her. Uh, I sent my ma, who I just happened to run into, to see if she could distract her. Uh, I don't know if she'll be successful, but I figured it wouldn't help hurt to have someone looking for her. And uh, when, when uh, you know, our, our friend, the inventor here, said uh, nice... Nice older woman with black hair, purple robes. Uh, that does give me a very worrying idea of who that might be, um, especially related to the eight pass. Um, and if that's the case, and she is 
in the vicinity or controlling something around a vicinity uh, that involves me and also you, Ignatius, uh, there may be some more collusion going on here. Well, I would also like to point out that uh, Miss Nadia Bison was also wearing a purple suit. Could this friend of yours disguise herself as Miss Bison? Oh, no. Oh, we got we to go. Um, yeah, we got to go put a bullet Christ. in her head. Come on. All right, you show me the way. Um, so you guys start kind of heading over towards where Archimedes and had gestured, and um, people are starting to come back in. They're starting to think that this was all a show. Um, they're starting to, like, some of them reach up probably Norwich and pat you on the back and say, nice tumble, you know, good catch, like all that. What a good glide. And you get all these compliments. Oh, thank you so much. But uh, I got places to be. I got people to see. Uh, thanks so much. If you like it, uh, go check out the Eight Pass Monastery. And um, and then a bunch of people are like going over towards Nars booth and he's he's talking about uh, the monk as if it's fine. You know, it's all shut down and sitting on the ground, but he's he's salvaging the uh the situation you also probably look over and see as you guys approach the easting house booth uh the half elf guy who has the fake boots on stomping them on the ground <laughs> trying to do a showcase and not succeeding <laughs> and everyone's getting bored and Amazing. leaving stop um, as you run by <laughs> <laughs> and um and Errol, as you approach, um, you guys are walking along and you get pulled off into a little side alley and your ma's there and she she whispers and she says, Hey, I found that lady. She just went into that back door through the um through the thing, through the the booth over there. Oh. Uh, she was wearing a purple coat and she had a weird hat and uh, she snuck into that back door. Awesome. Thank you, Ma, and I'll give her a kiss on the cheek. A kiss on the cheek. <laughs> Okay, and she said, and she gives you a cheek squeeze again, and she says, "Well, I'll be out here when you're all done, uh, being a hero." And uh, she goes about, and then you see her like go off and start doing like shady money laundering deals with a different vendor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ma! All right, uh, all right, guys. Uh, ma said that she's went through this door back here. All right. Um, so, just a warning: uh, if this person is who I think it is. Uh, she will be able to be an authorized user, as it were. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do. If you guys go in, I can try and sneak around from the back, um, you know, without being seen so that she doesn't know that I'm there so that I can come out and hopefully get to jump on her before she gets to jump on me. Now, Norge, I have a different idea that will require your consent. I have these two firearms that I can put on either side of your head near your ears, pull the trigger, and you can't hear anything for a while, but we... <laughs> uh, you know what? That also kind of works. Uh, here. And um, Norwich is going to put Ignatius on uh, his shoulder. Uh, just get ready. I feel like as soon as we get in there, uh, you got to fire. <laughs> All right, so Ignatius is the second he sees Bison, he's gonna shoot. I don't know if that'll give me any advantage in initiative, but I'm gonna yeah. have my guns on either side of his head pointed in that direction. So when I fire, he goes deaf. Wonderful. Temporarily, and, hopefully. Yeah. And I would like to um, stealth, stealth, not like far behind them, but like 
uh, a little bit behind them in order to see if I can like sneak up on like sneak around her or something like that. And I think as we're going, Norwich is just giving, um, you know, assuming that this is who he thinks it is, which I will not give away the name. Um, but assuming that this is who he thinks it is from Norwich's past, he's giving uh, the kind of five second summary, you know, and um, essentially this woman is a master of disguise, espionage, assassination, um, you know, kind of like a mix of like Catwoman and like Deathstroke all in one. <laughs> okay. <All right>. So <laughs> as you guys um, approach and, and you know, how, what you can see from your scoping out Archimedes, Errol's Ma and everything, um, the room she went into is a room. It doesn't have a way around that you can see. It had the one door and it looks like a temporary like setup, right? This was an exhibit that was brought into this convention floor it's a very large Eastinghouse company exhibit, but it's still like a temporary structure that probably I would say is about 40 foot square. Um, that And there's a single door that went into it. And so you can't necessarily see anything. It's an enclosed space. And that's kind of the visual you get. Also, you get the half elf guy like frustrated at the boots, trying to get people to come back and look kind of at the front of the exhibit. <clears throat> All right, I think we just got to go in guns blazing, uh, pun definitely intended. <laughs> well, I'm on your shoulders, so I am beholden to anywhere you go. Um, Telltaler, would you like me to make a stealth check? or? Oh, that, that depends on how you guys want to approach. It sounds like Norwich wants to go guns blazing. You want to hang back and kind of wait and see? Uh, yeah, yeah, I just, I want to, I'm not that great at... Uh, frontal confrontations so okay. uh i would like to hang back and see if i can like stealth in after they enter to try and sneak around her a little bit okay um also one thing i wanted to point out to um ignatius and your observant um thing where you guys are uh i forgot to mention this earlier but also by the easting house um booth if you guys are interested in the other exhibits uh they had the grav boots but then the other one that was on this like because it was six six main things around uh the other ones that are over here is there's a pair of goggles nearby that the booth is kind of being unattended right now um that with all the hubbub the guy's missing so there's a pair of goggles that are kind of emitting a light nearby and then there's also that like orb that i mentioned that you don't know what it is if at all you guys were interested in checking them out, I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying they're there if you want in your plan, and we're going to go from there. Ignatius is Ignatius is going to run over and see what they are. Okay, so the goggles um, that you can put on are a pair of goggles that emit a light from them. Um, and so basically it helps you see in the dark, but it also emits a blinding light out um, from you so it's basically like you can see it and no one else can is kind of the idea um, and then the orb is this cool um, device that is showing it's like showing like electric energy static energy being sucked into the orb and then that orb is then depositing energy into like little cylinders that become batteries or it's like turning it's powering stuff it's it's kind of like this transitional point of like being able to take raw energies and turn them into something else 
Ignatius is going to grab both of those things and write an IOU because I could see how both of these would be useful in a situation. And in fact, I put the goggles on Norge. So when he sees her, he will be deaf and she will be blind. <laughs> um, okay. okay. <laughs> if Norge is okay with wearing. Yeah, those. I was going to say. <laughs> I think they're a little small, but he's he's okay with this. Uh, man. Okay. Um, so yes, you have these these mesmerizing goggles or mesmo goggles, as I called them, um, and uh, basically, yeah, just emitting light that you can see through, but people can't look towards you. Basically, is kind of the idea. Um, and so, if you want to put them on, you put them on your head, and uh, you look ridiculous. You have like crazy fluorescent, like vibrant light colored lights shooting out from your eyeball area. Amazing. <laughs> Um, and then the orb as well. I'll say like, yeah, you're able to leave a little IOU Ignatius Cogbright thing on there. And you guys. Well, I'm not trying to steal them. I do intend on. Uh, yeah. Returning <laughs> it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tail Teller, I actually have a question real quick now yeah. that we're like just taking a pause for a second. When I saw these boots being used, is it only people are the people affected only the ones who were in the initial blast or is it anybody who enters the area? Do you, it would have been anyone who entered that area. Hmm. Guys, um, let me ask you. Well, actually, no, no, it wouldn't have because I, I, I would have described that differently. No, it would be the people who were in the initial blast because otherwise it would have changed when you guys moved to like go with Norwich and all that. So no, it was the people who initial blast. I probably wouldn't have been able to get the boots either because I would have been floating, huh? Yeah, exactly. So, yes, no, you're right. It's initial blast only. Uh, guys, uh, tell me what you think of this, but what if I run in first, activate the boots, and then, I don't know, like, holler or something and and <laughs> signal you to come in after me? Sure. It's, uh, it's certainly a thought, but, uh, you know, again, if this is the person that I'm thinking of, uh, she will definitely have a way out of that. Well, here's an idea. You go in first. We just follow a few seconds afterwards. You get close enough to her to throw her in the air, and we hit her once she's in the air. Now that's something I could get behind. All right, I guess we'll try it. So we'll count to, what, ten, and then we'll come in? I think that sounds good. Yep. Okay, so um, you approach this door. It just looks to be a door. It's nothing fancy. Um, it does, uh, as you go to reach uh, to open it, it does appear to be locked. Um, but it's a pretty weak door, so it's up to you how you want to handle that. Um, no one seems to be paying, I rolled and no one seems to be paying attention towards you guys. I'll tell you how I'm going to handle that. I'm going to handle that with my fist. <laughs> Okay, so, Errol, I like to assume you were, like, scoping the door out and <laughs> figuring out how to stealthily do that, and a fist flies over the top of you and just collides with the door. Why don't you go ahead and make a brawn roll for this door? Will do. Um, and for the listeners, this is uh, this is 1d10 uh, because it always is, and then a second d10 because of my martial arts prowess boon uh, and that's going to be two successes with a with a clatter and a thud the door not only opens but blows off its hinges and thuds down 
Um, and you do draw the attention of a lot of people nearby, but it's mostly like murmuring and everyone's like sees you. They kind of knew who you were and the three of you <laughs> are together and they're just kind of not really sure what's a show anymore or not. Uh, <laughs> and so you blow through the door and uh, it's dark on the other side. So Errol, I don't know if you're, what your plan is. Um, I'm just going to run in there and see if I can get as close to her as possible before trying to activate these boots. Okay, so you take off at a sprint, and as you sprint in, you immediately kind of don't stumble, but you, you feel yourself like kind of forward trip onto a slightly raised platform. Um, and as you step on it, these this whole thing like lights up on the floor, and it emits light in this room, and it's this big circular thing uh, with a giant Eastinghouse logo like lit up starting to like like led light up around the edges the emblazoned symbol and standing in the middle is nadia bison um and she is wearing this suit and everything else and she has this this boisterous attitude and she says welcome welcome to the grand finale of the realm's fair you've arrived just in time and then i will say at this moment you get close enough (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to do what you want to do. Okay. Uh, do I need to make a check for this, or do I just activate them? Um, I think you just activate them. I didn't set up rules for the gravity boots, so <laughs> we're going to just say you activated them. Uh, okay. So you hit them, and she immediately flips upside down, but she is quick and she is agile, and she is able to hold on to this, like, central thing that she was holding on, or that she was standing in front of, this, like, pedestal. This amount of time goes by, Norridge and Ignatius, you hear this noise of gravity being reversed, and you can react accordingly. Um, I think Norridge is just kind of, like, waiting, almost. Um, Just kind of, like, waiting for the right time. Doesn't want to necessarily, you know, go in, like, fist of fury here. Um, But he's just like, okay, bison, uh, spill the beans here. We uh we got you. We're here. Now Ignatius, you had said originally that you were planning to fire as yep. soon as you saw her. The so second I saw her, <laughs> I was going to pull the trigger. goes to say that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and two extremely loud firearm blasts shoot on either side of your head, Norwich. <laughs> so I think I think what it sounds like is um okay, Bison, we're pew pew. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> And you just hear a strange ringing sound. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I guess go ahead and roll uh, some uh, those brains attacks. I would say so because I have much better brains. I think they're brains. They're firearm. Yeah. And you were prepared for sure. One six. Oh, is it a sneak attack? Because I do have that as a boon. Sneak attack. I mean, sure. She was upside down, not expecting it. Awesome. Then two successes. Okay. So you hit her um, and she is kind of flipped upside down. She's hanging. It looks really weird. She looks like she's doing a handstand for you guys, but she, for her, she's upside down, uh, hanging onto this pedestal. And you hit her with two bullets and she curses your name. And as you hit her, this sort of aura of disguise drops away. And the suit goes away and there's 
violet robes instead and the with a fur collar and her skin changes to this like blue color and the black hair is dangling and you see if you want to describe it Nora or I can you see go for it Obsidiana Lockaldair the leader of the Shadow Cabal and for those of you who are really smart and paid attention Nadia Bison is an anagram of Obsidiana so that was my oh fun my thing God. that I did ah um, that's fun I and she drops the the thing, and you, Nor, or you, Errol, and Ignatius hear her yell "Brimstone" really loudly, and Norage, you hear a very loud ringing in your ear, and nothing happens. <laughs> what? Did somebody try and say something? <laughs> yeah. My plan um, was a success. Who okay. turned out the lights? So I think. This is going to start initiative. <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel, but why don't we roll for that? 11. Okay. I got an eight, uh, 17. Ooh. Ooh. I got a nine. All right. Now, the only downside is we can't actually like coordinate with Norge because he can't hear anything. <laughs> and isn't. Yep. I was just going to say, make sure you keep that in mind. She also can't see us because he's blinded her with his visor light, right? Yeah, so let me set the scene here because as all this happened at once, you came in, fired the gun. Norwich says, ow. At that time, the lights from these goggles emit. I think, unfortunately, Errol, you're also, it's hard for you to see too um, because you were near her and suddenly this bright, mesmerizing light goes through. But Norwich, you can see fine. Nothing's changed for you at all. And... So would you say, would you say that he blinded her with science. Indeed. And she yells brimstone and nothing happens. And so in that moment, now we're in initiative. Uh, she's blinded. She can't quite see, but she's smart too. She's not, you know, she knows that something's happening. Um, but Norwich, it is technically your turn first with Ignatius on your shoulder still. <laughs> Um, how high up is she? So currently she's still about normal height because she's holding on to this like pedestal. Um, but the room itself is probably about 12 feet tall. So it wouldn't be, she would probably still be able to reach you guys, you know, with whatever from, but just upside down. Gotcha. She can't reach me. Well, then I think, um, what Norge is going to do is he's going to, um, kind of push Ignatius off of his shoulders as he goes to, um, would you say that he's close enough to attack twice or would I have to move to hit her? You'd, you'd have to move. Yeah. You'd have to move first. Okay, great. Even better. And there's like this raised platform that Errol found with his foot, um, that you would like step on. So it's probably, I would say she's probably 20 feet away from me or something. Okay. So, um, Norwich kind of looks at, um, Obsidiana and he's like, you know, and this is also like, he's screaming this because <laughs> he doesn't know how loud he is. I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> just, um, so he's like, you know, if I could get mad, I'd be real angry right now. Um, and so he, he kicks off the, this platform and he goes into like a running, um, like a running, almost like a, 
like a Naruto, like a ninja run. <laughs> um, and so he, from like from his feet, you see jets of fire. I'm like we're three for three on last Airbender references. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like imagine, um, you know, like so these jets of fire come out from his feet like a rocket, and he just screams forward and just like pu- tries to punch through her head all right <laughs> amazing <laughs> um okay why don't you go ahead and make your brawn <laughs> roll with that all right uh that is going to be two successes two successes so two pd okay yes okay so yeah you collide uh with her head and I'm going to make a brawn roll to see if she can hang on to this because you said you rocketed towards her. Yeah. Um, okay, so I got to roll under. So, um, so she succeeds with one um, with her brawn, but it's you know with limitations. So I'm going to say that you hit her, you do the damage. Uh, she spins out of control, but you kind of blow past her a little bit. And she's dangling by one hand on this pedestal still, um, but she was able to slightly hang on. Um, and she's, believe it or not, already, you know, that was a big hit. <laughs> this big old uh, punch from, uh, from you. Uh, and so you kind of blow past her a little bit, and it is now her turn. You guys see her kind of shake her head and uh she's trying to basically like monologue towards norwich but he can't hear her um but she's just like you should never have left the shadow cabal and you'll pay for it and she reaches up and she punches um a dial on this pedestal and then uses her turn to do this and let go um as she lets go uh she flies up to the roof and you guys see this energy like rush out from this platform and she just says welcome to the grand finale and this huge light courses across the floor and then nothing seems to immediately happen ignatius it's your turn she is now on the roof upside down i don't know why i put your anti-grav boots in this game (laughs) she didn't think we'd steal them yeah i didn't uh, it's wonderful and uh, so she's upside down looking at you guys her hair's all dangling and everything anyway can i use the orb i got to absorb the energy that went out and redirect it at her um, I would say you could do that a little bit, but you couldn't absorb everything it shot out in like every direction possible. Um, but if you wanted to use like a portion of it, cause it was a small little thing. Yeah, I would allow that. I will try to do that and hope that slows down whatever she was trying to do. Okay. So the transmuter, so you basically like hold the orb down and it like sucks in energy and you can feel it like has this built up energy and like there's a spot to put a battery and there's like little buttons on the back that do things. Uh, if you want to press them, you can just pick one at random. You could roll. How about you roll and tell me, uh, you know, between, um, one through four or, or sorry, one through five or five through 10, what you get. And there's two buttons on it. So you want me to roll a, a D 10, a D 10. Yeah. Why not? That's what we're doing. I got a two. Okay, so with a two, it launches out this, like, orb, this, like, bubble towards her, 
and blasts into her and uh this this weird like turquoisey energy like explodes and knocks her backward with like force energy basically and you do one pd of damage i'm gonna use my other turn to shoot her and okay. tell errol to cut off the uh gravity while she's laying down because she'll take falling damage i already was thinking that <laughs> all right so i guess not a sneak attack anymore Ooh, definitely not didn't work well, I assume I'm rolling brawn at this point, and I rolled a nine, and my number's three, so no. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, Errol, then it would be your turn. Yeah, uh, I will deactivate the boots in an attempt to shake her loose. I know that she's probably be could dangle a little bit, uh, but that's what I'm going to try. Okay, so... Uh, well, she just got knocked down, so she's not prepared like she was before. Uh, so you deactivate the boots as one of your turns, and she just like, and you just watch her because she was already prone on the ceiling, fall prone <laughs> straight down, uh, and take some damage. Um, I'm just sticking with the whole one PD thing because there's not a lot of PD to go around. So, <laughs> um, and so she falls and hits the ground. So that's one of your things, yeah. Um, I. So is she within distance that I do I need to make a movement to get to her or uh you were next to her no so she all of this has happened within now that she's back down on your level you don't need to make a move because she's next to you Um I would like to I'm not making an attack but I would like to put my rapier like near her throat and say it's over with we've got you and I'm can uh it'll just be a lot easier if you surrender and I'm going to try and smooth talk her. I, I have smooth talk her as a boon. And I'm just going to try and make a persuasion roll. If Interesting. Possible. Okay, cool. So this this would be brain. Okay. Um. All right, so 1d10 and then 1d10 for the boon. Am I prepared or not? This is, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah this, this is kind of spur chaotic. of the moment. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. So two dice. Ugh, I got a one and a two. How come oh. when I how come when I want need to use <laughs> when I need to use uh, brains I'm rolling good brawn rolls all right anyway well so and one of her banes is overconfidence anyway so uh, she's not she does nothing no care in the world but it isn't her turn yet it would be Norridge's turn um, but she you know you say that and she's just like spits she spits towards you and she says no one keeps obsidian in a corner I don't know. <laughs> oh boy all right uh norridge it's your turn all right i think norridge kind of turns around um and is just like doesn't still doesn't hear any of this i assume (laughs) that (laughs) it's i i i assume that this tinnitus probably doesn't go forever so i assume it's probably wearing off at this point um but it's been like eight yeah. seconds. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's worn off that much. <laughs> it's gonna take oh like hours at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can read visual cues. You at least see that she's on the ground and Errol's there, you know, pointing at her, and she can't look towards you anyway because of your goggles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um so I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna whip around and I'm going to um I'm going to once again take out this um, this pole arm and I'm going to you know put it together so that it's one thing. Um, and so my first attack is I'm going to swing the pole arm down into this um, 
platform. Okay. Um, to try and like break and or neutralize whatever effects are going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then the second attack, um, is I'm going to like swing up, um, or, you know, use that, the, the coming down as uh momentum to then swing up and basically do like a, like a Falcon kick right into, um, Obsidiana's stomach. Okay. So for the first one, for stabbing down into it and trying to stop it, I feel like it should be a brains roll almost. Um, All right. But that you're, you, yeah, I think it should be a brains roll, but that you can adjust it however you want um, because you're trying to not do damage to a big platform, but kind of stop this energy flow. Correct. Okay. So, all right, this is, I have to roll over this. Okay. Um, would we say that that I can count the martial arts as a boon? Yeah. However you want to sell me with boons or banes or whatever, go for it. I just meant that I think it should be a brains roll. All right. Okay. Um, I'm down. So I got one success and one super success. No, you, you just got that. You rolled that. Yes. Oh, sweet. So you kind of watched her hit the button. You saw how the energy flowed into this Eastinghouse logo. And you know the Shadow Cabal. You kind of know what they're up to. So you have at least the generic idea of how to put a stop to things like energy flows and key points and, you know, things like that. And mm. so you jab down perfectly and you sever this flow. Um, as you do, though, you also know that, like, you cut off what happened, but something still happened. <clears throat> um, but you've stopped it from happening anymore. And then your falcon kick, go ahead and you and make All sure right. to save that dice too, if you got since you rolled your number. Uh you know what? I'm actually going to use that third dice. Okay. And that's gonna be uh two successes, one fail. Okay. Dang. She's having a rough time. You guys have done six PD already. Okay. On her turn. She, again, monologuing towards Norwich, not really fully understanding that he can't hear her, is saying, um, well, you know, you might not react to it now, but we figured out a way to make it work on everyone. And at that moment, the door opens and horde, like a horde of probably, I want to say like a dozen people come in and you see Nar Bone Grinder leading the group. And then you see a bunch of just fairgoers. And at first, maybe your reaction is, oh, no, they're here to attack us. But then Nar runs up and you guys see that same glazed look, that same black iris look that Norridge had had when Brimstone was called. And these appear to just be fairgoers that have rushed into the room. Oh, no. Oh, no. At the same moment, she spins out a little poison blade, uh, Norridge, and she reaches over and stabs towards you kind of blindly. So I'm giving her one less dice, but she's going to try to use this poison blade attack. Okay, so she got one success. Uh, so I'm going to say instead of doing damage, she's going to do the effect of it. It had the ability to do both, but 
since I have a slightly less success. And she is going to reduce your turn your your turn next your next turn to only one action. Oh no. Um and then we're adding Fairgoers. Ignatius, you're in the back. Uh <laughs> you turn and see all these fairgoers come in and they just come over and kind of rush at you and at first you're terrified, but they don't have weapons. They don't have anything. They just start slapping you. Um, they're not entirely like sure what to do in this scenario, but one of them is going to try to attack you uh, and is going to roll its 1d10 brawn. And I failed, so it it's not a very hard slap. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But they're just kind of like crowding you it's probably still a little bit terrifying because there's like a dozen people like (laughs) surrounding you but they're just being menacing and they don't clearly they don't have training so they don't really know what to do with this sudden uh brainwashed state um ignatius it's your turn you just got kind of slapped in the face but it (laughs) just stung a little can i sneak out between their legs being two foot six yeah, I, I think, you know, if you wanted to use one of your movements to get through the crowd, that's fine. I do. Okay. Um, I'm going to yell at Errol, send these folks up in the air, and then I'm going to shoot at the uh, what's-her-face again. Okay. Hopefully this time I'll hit. <laughs> hey, I got my number. Ooh, nice. But that's still... And I, I only get to roll one dice. <laughs> I assume... Yeah, so it's one success, but now you have a dice to use in the future. Yes. Okay. She's looking pretty hurt, guys. <laughs> um, and it's with the movement and attack, so now it's back to Errol's turn. Okay, so she is over by the podium with the button, which is in the far back, of, or like we're, we're further removed from the entrance, correct? Yeah, you were kind of in the central point of the room. It's probably like 20 feet away from the door. And Ignatius just came towards us. He he's st- he's probably ten feet from you, yeah. And then the crowd is blocking past him by the door, yeah. Okay, so uh, when these boots have been, how high is the ceiling in here? I said it was about twelve feet. Hmm. Do I know? I mean, they're gonna drop. Do I know if? A normal person falling from the height. If I like, when I have to deactivate these boots. Do I know like how badly that would harm them? Like, would it would it be like? Oh, I'm uh, no one's gonna die. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we can always that's, put something soft underneath them. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I was concerned about. Okay, uh, yeah, I will. I will run over and move over to them and do like Ignatius said and and activate these boots again and see if I can toss them in the air. Okay, I will say, Ignatius, why don't you make a brains roll? To see whether or not you get caught up in this. Just, I think just one dice. Because I was never clear about the range, but it was kind of a decent little size. I'm going to use my D10 and hope I get a good one. Okay. Okay. We're good. (laughs) I rolled a one on the first one. (laughs) Oh, so you had to use your on a roll? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So one success. So we'll say like, you feel yourself lift up like your foot, your back foot was in the zone as Errol activates it and it kind of makes you stumble forward, but you're able to stumble out of it. Okay. Um, 
Errol, you hit the boots, and all these people who were like rearing back a hand for a good slap on you uh, <laughs> just go, and Nar goes, oh no, and they all fly up and they just kind of clutter against the ceiling. You're short, so they're 12 feet up. There's not, there's no way they can reach you. Raising the roof. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was your move and action. So Norridge is your turn. Okay. <laughs> You're kind of the only one over there by her now. She, you can see she's talking towards you, <laughs> but you can, you can't really hear what's going on. Um, so I think Norridge, um, you know, he he kind of doubles over in pain from this poison blade. I I assume it just kind of like stabbed like right up under the ribs, kind of. Um, I said that she reached over and stabbed your foot, actually. So oh, great. Well, I feel like that hurts more. <laughs> yeah, because you just kicked her. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Norridge is just kind of like, you know what? That's, uh, that's not very nice of you. I, uh, mmm. And, um, Norridge is just, like, trying to grapple with his emotions. Um, he's, he's probably the closest he's ever been to feeling real, actual anger. Um, so he's like, you know, I'm pretty peeved right now. Uh, and you, you are a very bad person. Um, and so Norge just once again, like, takes this pole arm and just like, um, just wonderful. All right. So that is going to be, but you only get one action this turn. That's going to be one success and one fail. Okay. Well, she's looking pretty much almost done here, but she is still barely going. That was your turn. It's her turn. She is going to curse at you, and she is going to yell to all the people. She says, kill them, and she is going to try to jump backwards and away from you with one of her abilities. Um, And so, yeah, so she, like, kip-ups, you know, mm-hmm. off the ground and does, like, a cool backflip into the shadows in the back of the room as far as she's concerned, as far as you're concerned, you can see her very clearly because you have weird mesmerizing goggles on. Um, and so she, it is, it appeared as if she was trying to hide in the shadows, but you can just still see her very clearly. Uh, but for the other (laughs) two, she is hard to see now. Um, and then, uh, from the darkness, um, you see a dagger fly your direction, Norwich. Um, hey, a bad guy of mine hit. Okay, uh, so they do, she does, she succeeds, so she does one PD of damage to you. Well, that wasn't very nice. And then it, yeah, and then it would be Ignatius's turn. You just stumbled forward <laughs> out of this anti-grav field. Although I, so since this is very, you know, I almost said loud blinding light, um, since this is, this, this light is pretty focused, would you say that at the very least, Ignatius and um, Errol have an idea of where she is. I think they have an idea, but it would be it would be like looking into somebody's high beams and trying to see something on the wall. Like you can see it, but it's kind of hard, um, for sure. Yeah, that's fair. I also feel like um, you know Obsidiana is so well versed at like stealth that she's almost like trying to bl- like instead of blending into the shadows she's trying to blend into the light. I could, I like that. That's cool. 
All right, Ignatius, you can kind of sort of, you know where she is sort of, but it's hard to see. How am I going to deal with that mechanically? Closeness? I don't know. Is light considered energy? In the physical sense. Well, that's, I mean, sure. In the physical sense, yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to reach up with that orb and absorb the light while she's trying to blend into it and then shoot her with my second turn. (laughs) So... (laughs) So Norwich, suddenly you just see this, this like hand reach up into the <laughs> to the zone of uh, of your goggles, and uh, weirdly, like your left eye, like instead of looking forward, like gets sucked down. <laughs> the light gets sucked down into this orb. It probably looks really weird uh, and makes you a little dizzy as the energy gets sucked down into this weird orb that Ignatius has and charges up. And then you're gonna try to shoot it towards her. Can I count that as a brains roll since I was so clever? I love it. Do it. And 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 also like she was in the middle so like as you sucked away one side you can see like her like right shoulder and stuff <laughs> like leg at, out of hiding. Okay. So I get one, right? Does this count as prepared since I would use my first action to prepare my second action? Um yeah, sure. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm not super worried about then two successes. All right. You hit her uh, with a blast of light energy, and uh, she is blasted backwards, and she kind of slumps down to the ground, and uh, she's down on one knee, breathing heavily. Errol, it's your turn. Hmm. Um, I don't... If I move, these these individuals drop, right? Like if I if I move out of the area, they the the zone moves with me. I think. Right? Yeah, it does. Yep. Hmm. I think I'm just I think I'm just gonna stand there, and. Can you leave the boots? I'm sorry. Can you leave the boots? Do you have to be wearing them? Hmm. We it, you wouldn't have had to have worn them, otherwise Norwich would have fallen. Right. So you could just leave the boots. <laughs> I could. We'll come back for them. I'm just trying to think of what. So I could get. Could I get to her and with one action to to move up to her? Yeah, with one movement. Yep, the room's not that big. Uh, I'm guessing it would probably take an action to take the boots off. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's what I'll do. It's too bad you tied them. <laughs> yeah. I'll attempt to. <laughs> I'll attempt to. Uh, I'll attempt to tie uh, untie the boots and take them off and uh, head over there with my. Rapier drawn to attempt to, hmm. I in this case, uh, who goes out? Who goes after me? Norwich. Norwich is after me. Yeah. Okay, so I would like to attempt to harry her with my rapier towards uh, Norwich. So I'm not as concerned about doing damage as I am about. I want to like try and assist him by setting her up into a position where he can strike her really easy. Okay. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're just trying to like, kind of like keep her from moving or anything like that. You're just trying to like be a threatening presence. Well, I was thinking more like hurt her by pointing a rapier at her towards him, or, I mean, holding her still would work too. I think. Yeah, she was kind of backed up against a wall. Is all I was thinking. But essentially, I'm just trying to aid him by like wrangling, wrangling her. Yeah, yeah. Provide. Uh, would this be a, would you still like me to roll brawn? I can. It is my rapier that I'm using. 
Well, if you're not trying to attack her, you don't need to roll an attack. But if you're trying to, like, threaten or provide that, I would say maybe roll. I could, I could, I could be persuaded that it's either brains or brawn, really, because it's a social thing to kind of be in, intimidating. Yeah, so in this case, I will say uh, your, your number's up. We can see that you're almost done in this fight. Head over to my friend Norwich so he can apprehend you. Or I can't control what happens after this. And as I'm, like, speaking to her, I'm going to be, like, brandishing my rapier. Okay. Sounds good. That's when Ignatius yells, We can't trust someone that can turn our friend into a sleeper agent at any point. Her life is forfeit, and I'm going to kill her one way or the other. Norwich, it's your turn, technically. So Norwich still can't hear anything. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Here's a question for you, Norwich. Are you, do you, do you feel Norwich is capable of reading lips? Um, to an extent, <laughs> um, but it's probably. I okay. mean, it's it would be like somebody reading the lips. Uh, I'm gonna say not really. Okay, you probably get a vibe that she's being, you know, nasty, and she tried to say brimstone, but that's kind of it. All right, I I feel like I would know brimstone at least. Yeah. And just this all being said, I think I'm going to, I'm not going to kill her outright, but I'm certainly <laughs> going to knock her out. That's okay. fine. My turn's next. <laughs> okay. So you want to try to knock her out? Yes. Okay. Go ahead and make your brawn roll. That is one, one success and one fail. Okay. Well... That was the end of her PD level, and I should look real quick because I just don't remember. What was the situation with getting knocked out? When you get knocked to zero... You're, oh, you, you're injured for a certain amount of hours. Yes, and then okay. if you get knocked further below that, then I think you go unconscious. Okay. Well, then, for the time being, you knock her out, and she goes out cold. Um, and Ooh, one thing, um, so as, as Norwich uh-huh. like rushes over to, to deliver this final blow, um, he's just gonna get right up close and be like, Hey, I thought you were going to be hearted and just boom, like, and she knocks her out or you knock her out. Okay. Well, it's her turn. And because of. Where we're at here in the story, what you say, Norwich, as you kneel down and say that to her, and you knock her out and she goes unconscious, you suddenly feel a hand reach through nothingness and pat you on the shoulder and say, oh, don't worry, it won't be as easy as that. And suddenly you guys see a small elderly gnomish man uh, with shock white hair step through like a portal of nothingness, grab obsidiana and pull her through and he kind of like tips his nice little hat over towards ignatius and uh and steps out into this portal of darkness as this goes through you guys watch (laughs) on the ceiling uh uh all the all the eyeballs of these fair goers go back to normal and they're all starting to panic because they're floating up on the ceiling and um (laughs) What's that for for them? So when you're in like sleeper agent mode, like you have no knowledge of what you did in sleeper agent mode. So for them, 
one minute they were okay. just kind of standing around and the next minute they are on the <laughs> ceiling okay and nar bone grinders up there like what in the world is going on how how did we end up in this room and up here what's going on all right uh errol will go back and retrieve the boots and put them on and he will say uh uh, Norwich, if you if you would, I think these people could use some assistance getting down, and you're the tallest person here. Oh yeah, uh, way <laughs> ahead of you. Um, and he's just gonna kind of like scoop them, scoop them from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Slowly, like weighting everybody down on the floor somehow, so that when Errol act- deactivates the boots, they he could grab and walk them to the end of where the boots is and catch them when they fall. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, one and, at a time. Yeah, yeah, one at a time. That's the one. And and Errol's going to say, um, uh, this has been another display of the Eastinghouse anti-gravity boots. If you have any... No, it hasn't been. This has been an utter failure of the boots. They wipe your memory. Eastinghouse is a terrible company. You all should sue. They're liable for this. Exactly. This is uh, this is not a good thing to be. Uh, these anti-gravity boots, this Eastinghouse Corporation, bad news, y'all. Uh, you do not want to be anywhere near these guys. They don't know what's what. In fact, in fact, we're confiscating these boots and this strange <laughs> orb, which I don't intend to give back now. <laughs> Um, okay, so everyone starts murmuring and grumbling about the Easting House Corporation. The door opens up, and uh, and like uh, every you guys all kind of work your way back out. You see that this this energy thing had like coursed through, and it it looked like it was probably going to affect everyone in the convention, but you cut it off before more than a couple people were affected, and um, and. The half-elf guy who had been running the gravity boots is just flabbergasted. He's trying to figure out what to do. He's trying to call someone for help, but there's no one there. And he's he's trying to, like, you keep, you keep hearing him talk about how Edmus Thomason was supposed to be here, but he wasn't here. Uh, but you guys saw him there at the end. And there's just kind of this general, like, dismay about the Eastinghouse Corporation. Eventually, Nar um, Bone Grinder gets up, and he's like, well... We can still have a realms fair without our proprietors. And I say we 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 pull together and we finish this event and everybody cheers and the the whole thing uh, ends up becoming this sort of pleasant th- event. But is there anything you guys wanted to do in that moment? You watched as Edmus Thomason, who Ignatius had described, use his warlock powers to steal her away. Uh, there is one thing. So Norwich still under the effects of tinnitus um and probably cuts <laughs> cuts um nar bone <laughs> bone grinder um off at one yeah. point and he's just like well you know there is a lesson to be learned here and that lesson is eastinghouse is bad but let's all give a round of applause to the uh the intrepid inventor who saved us all ignatius cogbright and um he Norwich just like motions to him, um, you know, standing very triumphantly. Ignatius <laughs> walks up and goes, put me back on your shoulders. Way ahead of you there, bud. Everybody can see him now and says, thank you all, one and all. Uh, the Cogbrat name you'll be seeing much more of in the future. And also, who owns this orb? I would like to discuss purchasing it from you. <laughs> And an older lady comes up and she's like, that's my orb. And you guys 
go off on have a discussion um, about purchasing it. I'm fine with that. Um, right. <laughs> uh, Errol, you get a tap on your shoulder, and uh, your your ma comes over, and she says, "Well, did you did you figure out what you needed to figure out?" We did, ma. We 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 almost caught the culprit. They barely got away. Uh, I'm sure we won't. That's not the last we'll see. We'll have seen of them. So, but I appreciate uh, all your all your fine work helping us. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Also, here I stole you. Uh, I stole you a large sum of money, and she just gives you like a pouch <laughs> of like three hundred gold. Um, <laughs> she says, "Buy something nice," and uh, gestures at you to uh, the gadgets nearby. Uh, if you guys. Or or the elixirs nearby, and she's like, and gestures to you. If you guys have any interest in uh, stealing these for other games or buying them for other games, you, you're welcome to <laughs> steal, buy, potato, potato. Right. Thank you, Ma. Um, hey. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go for it. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say, um, Ignatius, I have no problem. Uh, giving you these boots. I would like to say, I, I think that they should at some point return to the original owner. But I need to wear them because I don't have any other boots. So <laughs> I'll give them back to you at the guild hall. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> um, and with that, I will actually um, go up to Nar Bone Grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will say, uh, uh, Nar, I, uh, yes. I, think, I think you were played by Eastinghouse, and I hate how that turned out. But I did want to let you know uh, that over by the... Uh, River Emu, there's a place called Briar's Glen, and there is a robot there who has a power core that he might let you take a look at if you ask him nicely. So, if you need a new power core, maybe you could investigate that and see if you can devise one for yourself. Oh, wonderful idea. And he, he pulls out a map and he starts marking it down, and he he uh, immediately seems excited and enthralled by that idea. And, uh, and Thanks, you guys, for your uh, your helping him with his mechanical monk and that blasted Eastinghouse company. He's like, I'll never buy a power core or gear from them again. Again, I would consider litigation if I were you as well. I might just do that. And I think as we're kind of you know leaving the leaving the convention center, um, Norwich turns to Ignatius and says, "So I assume the uh, the older guy uh, who." took away obsidiana i assume that's uh edmison right yes well uh that makes our job a lot worse uh because my bad guys and your bad guys are working together uh and that is that is not good (laughs) well it sounds like it'll be more convenient for us to kill them both at the same time oh boy well we can only hope i like your optimism well, with the power of friendship and this gun, I believe we can do it. And as you say, the power of friendship and this gun, a huge boom explodes behind you. And at first you guys are all worried. And then you turn and it seems as though the fireworks show has finally gone off over the uh, convention center. And the Realms Fair was a su- success, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> maybe it'll be back next year. We don't know for sure. Um, and you guys are able to make your way back to the guild hall. And unless you have anything else you would like to say or do, we're going to wrap it up. (laughs) All right. So thank you guys all for coming along for the ride. And, uh, for this episode, that's it. This week we were joined by Errol Corvidbow, 
Uh, what a hair-raising adventure. <laughs> uh, Norwich Flesh Ripper. Uh, yep, I was here too. <laughs> and Ignatius Cogbright. I'll kill him next time. Thanks again for listening to Fire Breathing Kittens, and good night. Have you heard of Good People, Cool Things? Good People, Cool Things is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, musicians, writers, and other good people. Learn how to market your ideas from Brian Hirsch, creator of Taboo and Outburst. Hear about revolutionizing small businesses with Amanda Brinkman and NBA legend Baron Davis. Dive into Broadway shows such as Jersey Boys with Wigmaster Amy Neswold. Get inspired by their stories and do your own cool thing. As a bonus, each episode ends with a corny joke. Check out Good People, Cool Things, a podcast 